Hello and welcome to the Codex Prime Podcast. We are on episode 269 and it is Tuesday, January 25th, 2022. I am your host, Victor Omoyo. And as always is my and with me as always is my co-host and social media chair, Carl Bird. What's happening, everybody? Yes, and joining us live in the Codex Prime Zoom Studios uh, is a local local Rhode Island uh, comic book writer. He is the owner and founder of Last Word Comics. Um, you can find uh, all of his uh, uh, short short horror comics works on, online and also on Instagram at Curtis underscore makes underscore comics. Uh, party people, please welcome back to the show after a long four years. It's uh, Curtis Parvin. Ah. Welcome back, sir. Hey, how you guys doing? Uh, doing terrific. All right. Yeah, you know. All right, you know. Also doing terrifically. You know, just um, you know, it's a it's a new year. Uh, and you know, you know, we've uh, you know, it's it's been a while since we've had you on the show, and uh, since all the way back in August 2017. So, you know, has it been that long? Yeah, it has. Didn't yeah. even realize how long it's been. I, I know. I know. Oh my goodness, yeah. time flies. It, it really. Tell me about it. Yeah, it really does. And now nowadays, like especially with the you know with the pandemic, it's like what is time you know anymore really? But, Pretty much. Yeah, but but yeah, we're yeah we're very happy to have you have you back on the show. Yeah, ready to happy to be here. Happy to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Because I know that we we you know we we tried to connect uh, at some point last year and uh-huh. uh, yeah, but but I'm glad that we got to you know reconnect and you know just ready to talk shop about comics. You know some of what you've been up to and. Uh, you know, just just keep it keep it nice and conversational. Go from there. Um, good to meet. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, and as as Carl is uh, sharing the episode uh, on Facebook Live, uh, I do want to give a quick shout out to our uh, our podcast sponsor, uh, Silk City Hot Sauce. Uh, yes. So, yep, Silk City Hot Sauce. They're a local Vermont Vermont based uh, hot sauce. Um, Hot sauce business. Um, if you go on their website and you use the promo code Codex, you can get 15% off your order, and you can get all sorts of nice, uh, unique flavors, uh, uh, such as uh, Erotic Fever, which is my favorite. Um, <laughs> there's also a Mango Madness. There's a Cherry Street Racha uh, hot sauce, which is really good. And Just ordered it. Yes, yes. And there's a there's a Maple syrup uh, flavored hot sauce as well, which goes really well with any breakfast sandwich. So, just did that sandwich. <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah. So yeah. Um, so if you're in a so if you're in a in a hot sauce kind of mood and you want something a little more a little more unique for your palate, you know, go to SilkCityHotSauce.com. Use the promo code Codex to get fifteen percent off your order. Yeah. So, uh, so with that, uh, you know, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll get started as we have people trickling in. Um, so yeah, uh, Curtis, how are, how are things in your world, man? Oh, pretty good. Um, since the last time, um, I was on the show, just lots of stuff, lots of stuff going on. Um, just living life, working lots of different jobs. Um, I finally got married. <laughs> so oh, that was, congratulations. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, that was that was a big event. So I've been I've been with this woman Debbie uh, for a few years now, and we got married in uh, 2020 in uh, September, and uh, in Salem, Massachusetts. So fitting for a horror creator, right? <laughs> <laughs> we got we got married at the um, the Ropes Mansion. You guys ever see Hocus Pocus? Yeah. 
Okay, the the big white mansion that's featured in that movie, we got we got married in the garden in the back. It's actually it's somewhat ironic because you think of Salem kind of like you know Halloween, doom and gloom, like that kind of thing. But in the back, it was actually a really sunny day. There's sunflowers. There's a little pond back there and a lot of greenery. It's actually very nice. So it was a, it was a really lovely uh, place to have the wedding, and uh, it was just a very nice event that. Uh, that worked out uh, worked out very nicely for everyone involved. Nice. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Nice. I need to look up this place now. Yeah, the, the, the Ropes Mansion. R-O-P-E-S. Okay. All right, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's uh, I'll put that on my, uh, you know, places, places to see uh, list. Yeah, yeah. Have you, have you guys ever been to um, Salem, Massachusetts? No, I never have. No, I haven't. Oh, it's a great place to visit. Um, oh, it's, and it's absolutely crazy around Halloween time. Like you go and like the closer it gets to Halloween, the the crazier it gets. So like we went a few. We basically uh, Debbie and I went a few years ago. Um, she took me there as like a birthday thing. My birthday is in um, the first week of October. So she took me in and just to kind of see it, we were doing different things like, oh, it's a fun place to go in the fall. And there are a lot of like different kind of uh, museums and, and things of that nature, the shopping, eating, that kind of thing. And uh, it was so much fun that we ended up, you know, we, we've gone there a few years in a row. We're just like, why don't we get married here? Like, this is really cool. This is just a very unique place. And it became kind of, became kind of our place. So we had a very very small wedding uh, in 2020. It was uh, she and I, the officiant, her sister, and the photographer. So very very small, but uh, we had the wedding we wanted, and it, it was it was uh, it was really nice. So a nice a nice memory and a, and a nice place to go. So um, I'd, I'd highly recommend Salem. The food is great, and uh, the people are, the people are phenomenal. Very very nice people as well. Did you go by the uh, house that they uh, lived in from Hocus Pocus? Uh, I feel like it's like a must that you do that. I think we might have like the the uh, we we might have come across it in our travels. It, it didn't stand out, if, if anything, though, because um, the weird thing about Hocus Pocus is that like I saw it when I was really young in the theater, and I only recently discovered it in the past couple of years on on a rewatch, watching it on Blu-ray. So it was it wasn't a thing that was popular with me throughout my childhood and adolescence, but it was something that. Um, I had to rediscover on Blu-ray, but it's 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 a fun movie. I'll have to I'll have to um, make note of that next time we're there. Yeah, I would have to say it's my all-time favorite Halloween movie. Really? Oh wow, yeah. that's great. Nice. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, um, and yeah, and I know I know that you've been um, you've been getting into um, like uh, like short-form uh, horror uh, comics as well. Um, can you talk? Yeah. About, yeah. Talk a bit more about uh, what what that's been like. Well. What happened was, so last time I was here, um, I was writing um, a YA fantasy adventure series um, and ended up um, parting ways with my creative partner, uh, just had a falling out over creative differences, and um, I won't get into that for some legal reasons, but it turns out that while I was writing that series, my um, themes and my subject matter, all that kind of stuff was getting darker and more horrific. So I guess the writing was on the wall that I was going to um, end up uh, entering a genre that was darker and more mature. So. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I wonder, like, why horror? You know, I mean, I remember, you know, Legend of Beer Fist was much more, you know, much more yeah. fun. Yeah. Like a fun read. So why, you know, why the horror genre? What made you uh, transition to the horror genre? I, I don't know. I think it's just 
I feel like I'm not really a good fit for YA uh, work because I feel that, you know, I'm sure you guys have heard this a million times, but the world we live in is not kind of a PG or PG-13 world. In order for me to be honest and realistic about expressing myself artistically, I think I really have to have a harder edge. I have to be more honest with people. I have to let them know that, you know, it's not all sunshine and flowers out there. You right. know? And, and, and also, too, with, you know, the, the past, you know, four or five years, uh, with, you know, the way the world has been and, you know, just all the kind of turmoil that's out there right now, um, I feel that horror is a better place for me to express myself artistically because I tend to get... Um, in my head a lot about, you know, just a lot of, you know, negative stuff swirling around and a lot, and that can lead to a lot of, you know, depression and frustration and anger and and anxiety, all that, all that, all that bad stuff. And I find that cathartically horror was a great way to express that. Like, so if you look into my work, you'll find like, you know, things that I'm interested in, things that, um, frighten me, things that, you know, make me, you know, uh, anxious or, or, or I'm confused about like all it's, it's a nice way for me to work out a lot of my issues through, through that artistic medium and horror seems to be a good genre to do it. Okay. Yeah. And it's, and it's interesting too. Cause you know, it's, um, cause I cause looking at, looking at, uh, uh, some of your comics on your website, like the one that really stood out to me was, uh, the one uh, called complications. Oh yeah. And yeah, that one was, that one it got it got pretty wild. Uh, it and, did. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Could you, could you talk a bit, talk a bit more about uh, the creation of that comic and that story? Like, what was uh, what was like kind of like your your thought process as you were making that comic? Oh yeah, no, absolutely. So um, if you look back at hit that like button and and my first one tender. So the, the thing was when I was when I was starting to write these, I thought like, okay, well. Once I'm done, where am I going to showcase these? And I found out that there's like Webtoon and Top Boss and different platforms that you can put your comics work on. But over time, kind of reading the fine print on those websites, I discovered that there's, in my opinion, a lot of censorship. Like you can't have, you know, um, certain, there's content, a lot of content restriction. You can't have, you know, certain amounts of gore or any nudity or any this or any of that. And I said to myself, I'm like, okay, well, this really restricts me. So I started with Tender and hit that like button. I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to publish these online through these platforms. And then when I discovered that, um, a lot of these platforms are very kind of, um, um, they're, they're for more, I guess, maybe more PG-13, kind of more general audiences. There's a lot of anime. So I figured that, well, my audience isn't really there. The people I'm trying to reach, my audience, isn't really on these platforms. So why don't I just put them on my website and we'll see um, what kind of people gravitate toward them. So by the time I knew I was going to just put them on my website and I wasn't going to have any restrictions, the gloves are off and I'm like, I'm doing an outlaw comic. It's going to have everything I want to put in it. It's going to be full... Um, it's going to be to use a to use a wrestling analogy. It's going to be a hardcore match where there's going to be no disqualification, false count anywhere. You know what I mean? And it's going to have whatever I want to put in it in order to express myself and and, and get into a crazy um, David Cronenberg, Clive Barker world where there are no limits. Hmm. Yeah, and and and, I'm, and 
And, and it's interesting that you, that you mentioned uh, David Cronenberg because I'm, I'm oh, yeah. pretty, pretty sure like he's one of you, like your, your favorite uh, horror filmmakers or one of your biggest inspirations. Oh yeah, yeah definitely. definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so I, I would say there's a lot of like I, I call this I call complications in a way kind of a love letter to Cronenberg, like in just terms in, in terms of um, what I wanted to do with a body horror idea, in, but but in a short short form comic. Um, especially, uh, specifically movies that Cronenberg did like Videodrome and Crash. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I still haven't seen Crash. It, um, but so, I have, yeah, but I have seen uh, Videodrome. Um, yeah. um, have you seen his uh, latest film? Well, actually his son, Brandon Cronenberg, his latest film, uh, Possession or no Possessor. That's what it was. Possessor. Um, yeah. no, um, I actually haven't heard that much about it. What I have heard has been positive. Um, uh, basically, the, the, to um, sum up a kind of general review of it, I heard that it's like he's a chip off the old block. Like he's making movies just like his dad, and in in the same uh, in the same vein and with the same themes. So I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I have high hopes for Possessor. I want to see it very soon. Oh yeah, it's it's worth seeing, especially the, if you can see the unrated version. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it, it, yeah. I think it's still on Hulu. Um, yeah, I watched it. I'm like, oh my, what? Wow. Yep. Yeah, you can tell his that's his uh, that's his son, all right. <laughs> oh yeah, no, and and again, I I don't think there should be really any restrictions on on art, especially you know film and comics, you know things like that, because I I know like years and years and years and years ago, like in the you know fifties, uh, sixties, like there was like the comics code and everything. I'm so glad that that's gone, just because it was really tying a lot of people's hands in terms of the content and and the the uh, stories that they wanted to communicate with audiences. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, especially that yes. yeah. Oh, uh, that also makes me. Uh, I'll actually get to it in a second, Carl. Uh, that also makes me think of like the. Like the the Hayes Code that that permeated for yes. like decades, you know, promotion pictures, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. as well, yeah. But yeah, Carl, go ahead. What do we say? Yeah, I was just gonna ask: Were there other like, um, were there other influences? You know, other you know, our film uh, director and uh, uh, you know, other flu- uh, influences that you have as far as like your work is concerned. Yeah, um, I really let's see. Um, I mentioned, like I said, I mentioned Clyde Barker, like Hellraiser, stuff like that. Um, it, it's weird because I don't necessarily have, like, I could go all day about, you know, directors and things like that. I just had a few kind of, like, specific films that seem to fit. Like, if you put certain movies that I mentioned now, like, into a meat grinder, you know, and then what would come out would, I think, resemble somewhat um, what I'm going for in terms of my writing or my themes or my content. Um, I really like a large Montreal movie called Antichrist. Um, I really like, uh, the films of the, the horror films of, um, Takeshi Miike, uh, like Ichi the Killer and Audition, um, and, and like I mentioned, Video Drum and Crash and stuff like that, and if you think about it, they're all these kind of like, the, the one thread you can, that you, that runs through all these seems to be, um, twisted relationships, like, um, love gone wrong, love not what you expect, um, pleasure and pain being, you know, reversed and, and, and kind of pushed to the ultimate limit. Um, I'm also a really big fan of, uh, this is actually something I wanted to make sure to mention was, um, I don't know necessarily how much of this ends up in, in my work, but I'm a real big fan of this kind of, um, this, um, kind of horror renaissance we're having right now with like, uh, movies like Hereditary, The Witch, The Lighthouse, Midsommar, Get Out, 
us. I mean, I think these films are all all incredible. And I actually came across a post. I wanted to mention this. I came across a post on Instagram the other day. I thought was really really brilliant. Someone had did a, a someone had done a horror poster, and the caption um, on the Instagram page was like. The monster, uh, modern horror. The monsters are no longer under your bed. The monsters are in your head, and I'm like, oh wow. And that's that's really what I'm going for as far as um, I want horror to be more cerebral. Like it's easy to jump scare. It's easy to get someone with the jump scare or you know a creaky door or a cat jumping out or something like you see that a lot in film. But I really want people to you know as far as when I watch a movie, I want to walk away from it like not being able to sleep because I think that what I saw in that movie, I think that that might be the guy next door that may be a little too quiet or something. You know what I mean? Like it's very, it makes you think and question your reality. And even sometimes to a certain, with, um, with surreal elements like, um, the lighthouse or which, um, which I feel owes heavily to a filmmaker like David Lynch. I'm a big fan of Twin Peaks. I'm a big fan of Mulholland Drive. I don't know how much of it like is evident when you look at my work, but I'm really, um, inspired by um, the the theme of things are not things are not what they seem. You know, like um, there's a great blurb. I have it right here. There's a great blurb on the cover of Takeshi Miike's audition from the Chicago Tribune. It says something like, um, "It transforms the mundane and familiar into something sinister and eerie." And I think, if anything, I think that's what good horror does. And I'd like to think that I'm doing that with my work. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I feel like Ari Aster movie was going to come up. <laughs> Ari Aster, yeah, 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 yeah. Ari Aster's work is incredible. Uh, I know, I know. Carl was a was a huge fan of uh, Midsummer, Midsummer, and oh yeah, the, and the strange thing about the Johnsons. His, his okay, okay, uh, okay. okay. <laughs> um, I uh, uh, it was one of those like cringeworthy movies, but it's not like I was like scared or creeped out and stuff because I actually sat through. Um, Cannibal Holocaust and somebody never did it. But anyway, I'll never watch that movie. Oh no, uh, no! I, and I wanted to make sure to mention this too. Like you know, I don't want people thinking like you know I'm this horror expert or nothing frightens me or nothing. I have limits. I mean, I've only made it through half of Salo. You know what I mean? Like I, I made I made I made it through about half of that movie and I had to tap out. I'm like, this is just. I mean, maybe I'll watch the whole thing. You know, in the near future. But I'm like. This is just too bleak and awful and 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 horrific and abusive. I mean, this is just awful. So I mean, I, I do have limits. I don't want you to think I don't have limits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You would think with all the Victor recommendations that he doesn't have limits, but apparently, Campbell Holocaust is. And I literally just sat there and just sat through it. I'm like, oh come on, Vic. You can say you can sit through. The one thing that, that seems to bother people about and it's a legitimate concern, I mean, that seems to bother people about Cannibal Hulk. I haven't seen it, but again, I've I've heard like the stories and things like that. How 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 it became this myth, you know, and, and this legend. But um they're they're killing all these animals on film and they're and, and it's so so if you so if people have a you know aversion to and on-screen animal cruelty, they're really going to be bothered by that. But every everything else was completely fake, as far as like um, the you know putting people on you know sticks and all this kind of stuff. You know, all right. Yeah, I sat through it. But that seems to be the biggest complaint about that movie is that they're doing that to animals, and 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 that wasn't um, simulated. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's what that's the one element that you know puts me off to, to ever seeing that film. Yeah. Um, yeah. And understandable, understandable. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and and also too, like with Salo, which which Carl, it, it is in the Criterion Collection. Um, it is. That's 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 one film that I know by reputation, and I've never seen it. And yeah, and part part of me is like, one day I'll sit down and perhaps watch it just just to get through it. But another part of me is like, no, do something else, watch something else, Victor. No, it actually, again, like I said, I made it like halfway through, and, and it's like the, the whole movie feels like you're you're being you're being strangled. Like it really it feels, and, and as and as it goes on, it's like there's less and less and less air as fingers keep getting tighter, and, and it be, because. Um, the way it's filmed is, is is so interesting that it's it's done through a lot of kind of masters and wide shots and stuff like that on purpose to make you feel like you're watching this and you're like like you're this voyeur looking at all of this stuff and it like it's almost kind of like damned if you do and damned if you don't like you're it's almost like Pasolini would think you were horrible for making it to the end of the movie or he would like almost applaud you for shutting it off like it's this weird um thing going on where it really challenges your morals like how much more do you really do you really need to see before you get the idea of how horrible these these, these um these uh aristocrats are that are that are doing this to these teenagers or whatever you know mm. yeah yeah okay so how did you make up with the uh artists that you're working with now oh with Jude with uh Jude Killery Oh, uh, yeah. So um, a few years ago, um, I went to the SPX, the Small Press Expo in Bethesda, Maryland. Uh, very cool. It's one of the largest independent comic book shows in the uh, in the U.S. Um, and so I went to that and I met somebody named um, Satan Cauldron and I met and befriended them. And what happened was um, Jude was actually Saban's recommendation. I said, you know, do you know someone that I'm doing horror comics? I'm writing them. Do you know anybody that can draw them? You know, and uh, and that's how I got linked up with uh, Jude Killery. And you guys definitely want to check out his his work. He's he's incredible. Um, this this um, great um, outlaw black and white style where. Um, just the way I, I can't repli- I couldn't replicate the way that Jude draws a figure. It's just it's it's very much his own style, which is fantastic. So uh, basically, it was kind of like a friend of a friend. Oh, cool! So and it's really cool that everyone's so supportive within the comic books community that they're willing to be like, oh yeah, well yeah, my friend's looking for work. Like you know, he's got a style that you know is, is um, might fit this project. Like give him a call. You know, so. Oh, awesome. And and I know you mentioned um, uh, that you know we're, we are seeing a horror renaissance in film. Um, yeah. Like in the oh, yeah. Recent years, and and I dare say we also we're also seeing a, a bit of that uh, similar renaissance in comics as well. Like yes. image, like yes. image image comics alone. Like you can yeah. you can throw a rock and it will ricochet off nine different horror titles. Um, like for example, one uh, one that I one that I would recommend is this horror anthology series called The Silver Coin. Um, yes. Yeah. yeah, I have, I have, I have the first two single issues of that. Um, with uh, Chip, uh, each one being each one with a, a different writer. Like the first one, I think is Chip Zdarsky, and then I, I forget who the the next one is. But I'm really looking forward to reading those um, those first two, and then the series, and then you know putting it together, and then getting the full the full impact, the full story. But yeah, I, I have heard of that. I'm really I'm really looking forward to reading those in my in my collection, the ones I have. 
Yeah, absolutely. Any other ones? Because there's a couple of that. I even delved into the whole, you know, horror genre and comics as of late. And mm. there's, been, there's really, like, so many good titles that are out right yeah. now. Um, not sure if you had uh, the last book you ever read, Eat the Rich, was a fun one. Uh, that just wrapped up. Um, oh, the last book you ever read. That's that's Colin Bond, right? Yes, yes. Um, and a bunch of other, oh, okay, did um. I have um, Harrow County. I haven't read that yet, but it's on my shelf. The Harrow County is from Columbine as well. Okay. That one I've heard of. Um, that one I think is from, from Dark Horse. I'm not exactly sure. That's possible. Okay. Crimson Case, since we're all wrestling, since we're all wrestling fans, that's one I would definitely recommend. Uh, the second issue just came out last week, this past week. And, what, um, what's this one called? Crimson Cage is uh, published by AWA Upshot. Okay. Yeah, it's a five-part series where it kind of mixes in the world of professional wrestling with a huge horror, uh, with a huge horror element. Where um, this wrestler, um, he's you know having tru- he's making it big in the New Orleans territory. It takes place in the '80s as well, and then he kind of you can kind of say like he makes his deal with the devil, and then he gets screwed over by the main champion, which is kind of like a Ric Flair knockoff. And then he has right, to right. make make like some uh, make a an ultimate decision just to get, you know, get to where he wants to be. And um, he kind of actually did that, but I'm not going to go too far into details, but I do highly recommend it. I've been Crimson, enjoying it, especially. Crimson Cage? Yes. Oh, like, like a cage match? Oh, cool. Right. Awesome. Right. It's, and it's extremely bloody. <laughs> oh, why not? It, it's, yeah. That, that's, no, that sounds awesome. Um, oh, absolutely. You can see Vic's, uh, Vic's starting to grin because, you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm curious about that. That yeah. reminds me of um, the uh, the comic Hellboy in Mexico where it's like um, it deals with uh, supernatural like like luchador wrestlers and things like that. Have you guys heard of Hellboy in Mexico? It's one. Of, it's, it's a Hellboy kind of one-off or some spin-off. No, and it's a comic? Yeah, it's... Uh, it's it's in the Hellboy universe. It's called Hellboy in Mexico, and they have to deal with like it, it's it's a, a lot of um, really cool um, Mexican uh, uh, culture and themes and everything. Like deals with like Day of the Dead and like you know the, the, and the undead and luchador wrestlers and all kinds of cool stuff. But it reminded me of that because of the wrestling element. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, I think you will. All, I think both of you guys will enjoy it, especially if you're both wrestling fans, wrestling and horror fan, and horror fans. Yeah. That's literally right. Yeah, Crimson Cage. I haven't heard. I'm, I'm gonna. I, it, that completely flew under my radar. I haven't heard of that. Yeah. yeah it's a, well, EWA Upshot is a very like. Uh, it's a very small company, anyways. And okay. They have a lot. Yeah. There are there's some other titles that they've been uh, that I've been reading as well, like uh, Out, which takes place in um, World War II. It's kind of like a historical fiction horror mm-hmm. slash. Mm-hmm. With, you know, Nazis getting ready to lose, and then they did uncover this vampire, and then the only one who can really communicate with this vampire is one of their uh, allies, uh, okay. allied soldiers that they have in cap that they have in captivity, and then that's taking place. You know, that's taking a huge, uh, like a weird turn, and then also uh, he who fights with monsters. I know I put Vic onto that one uh, a while back, and that's actually getting ready to wrap up, I believe, in February. Yeah, and and there's also another one uh, by Boom Studios. It's called Maw. Um, uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting one. It's a it's a five part uh, uh, miniseries that, that just wrapped up uh, mm-hmm. uh, this week, and it's about this uh, group of 
these this group of uh, uh women who suffered um uh, all all, ma- all manner of abuse and they're living in this sort of like this cultish commune mm-hmm. and and um it follows like uh two women one of which is one of whom unfortunately gets assaulted like during their during their stay there but mm-hmm. and then 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 she eventually transforms into this grotesque uh creature but it's all sort of like part of the part of the 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 plans if you will um it's, it was a very interesting very interesting comic um I'd, I'd recommend that as well if you're into like body horror as well oh yeah that's no that sounds awesome um another thing i thought i, I definitely should mention is um how anybody that's in my position now writing um horror comics and and things like that um we owe a tremendous debt to everything that was being done with EC comics and tales from the crypt in, in the fifties. Like when, when that stuff was very, very like, you know, it was in court and it was ruining the youth and all this kind of stuff, you know, and all the boundaries that they broke back then and then cut to the 1970s and early eighties with like all the crazy stuff coming out of 2000 AD and their future shocks and all that kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm really inspired by a lot of that stuff as well. Actually, um, Debbie got me a gift. She got me um, this hardcover book. It's like the 75 years of EC Comics. It's got Tales from the Crypt and sci-fi stories and, um, I I don't know, Haunt of Fear, Vault of Horror, Crime Suspense stories, all kinds of cool, kind of like the greatest hits of EC for the past 75 years. So I'm really looking forward to doing a deep dive into that this year in in, um, combination with my Swamp Thing read. So... Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, and if you do get a chance, the nice house on the lake. The, the, the my DC. The nice house on the lake. Yeah, written by uh, James Tiddy in the fourth. Okay. Yeah. Have you ever heard of him? Uh. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So right now, I'm actually taking a virtual comics writing class. It's twelve months. Uh. So it's a whole year. It's one class a month. Uh, with Scott Snyder, who did Court of, Owl, wrote Court of Owls. So he's teaching a writing class right now and using lots of different examples from modern-day comics. And one of the classes he talked about, because I didn't really know much about Tynan, and um, he, what's really interesting is that... Um, so Scott Snyder at one time was an adjunct professor teaching creative writing, and Tynan was actually his student. Wow. And, and now they both got jobs writing for DC Comics, you know, and like the, the, the student has become the teach in a way, you know, because with Tynan's um, Department of Truth, um, he's really getting a lot of, and something is killing the children and a lot of other things. So good. Um, he's really getting a lot of accolades uh, now for very imaginative uh, and creative projects. Like, I think that... Um, just from what I know about Department of Truth, like just like the first issue, I'm like, this is, I mean, not just the, and the art and everything too is, you know, forget about it, but it's like, oh my God, this is, this is awesome. This is just so, um, uh, what's the word for it? Um, uh, I, I'm imaginative would be, you know, I, I, I'm lost for words, but, um, it's, uh, it's really interesting the way he can parallel a lot of stuff that's going on right now. Cause you, the, the premise of the department of truth seems to be with time. It seems to be that if enough people believe something that it becomes real literally. So if enough people believe that the earth is flat then it starts to happen, like it actually manifests itself in the real world. So I thought that oh. 
craziest idea and what an interesting parallel to and how scary it is to you know you get that group mob mentality that enough people believe something it, be, it, it becomes quote-unquote true that's that's horror in itself you know oh we're definitely seeing that but department of truth was one i wanted to get into but i know yeah. it's already like a few it's already like many issues deep so i feel like every issue like you know 20 something or 30 or what it's, it's been going a little while yeah yeah, so I'm, I'm actually yeah, I'm actually trying to look. I'm gonna look, put that on my hunt list and get the um, trying to find the trade. So it's uh, much easier to catch up on. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, go to your, go to the local library and definitely um, you know get some of the stuff. It's a good way to catch up on um, back issues and just things that are you know for for me sometimes out of my price range if there's a hardcover edition or but you know I usually do that for a birthday or Christmas but the library seems right. to be my, my my best friend when it comes to that you know catching oh. up on comics that that I that I missed for one reason or another right oh yeah and 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 speaking of um of you know writing you know as, as you're taking uh, classes with uh is it Scott Snyder was it Scott Snyder yeah yeah yeah, yeah which which is pretty awesome um like um like what's the What's your, uh, can you talk a bit about like your creative process? Like as you sit down and kind of think about different ideas for stories or, you know, yeah. just, just things that, um, that, that might be of interest, whether it's like a story element or like a character, um, yeah. like, what's your, what's your process uh, kind of like? Well, it really, it really varies. I think it depends on the, um, the idea or the, or the theme or the subject matter or whatever, I, I, I can definitely tell you like for when I wrote tender and when I wrote hit that like button and when I wrote complications, there was a different process for each one. So the way tender came about, um, uh, this is literally what happened. So we're in 2020, the early stages of COVID, everyone's inside and kind of climbing the walls. We don't really know what this is yet or how bad it is going to be or get, you know, it's maybe February, March, 2020. And I'm stuck inside very much feeling like, uh, Jack Torrance, you know, in, in the shining, you know, just throw, throwing that ball against the wall and just, just go, you know, going up a wall with writer's block and that kind of thing. So, um, I'm in kind of a rut with writing and wondering where my direction, where I'm headed, you know, uh, directionally. And I'm on Twitter, and I see Gail Simone. You guys know Gail Simone? Yeah. Okay. She posts something like, hey, um, everybody's inside. I'm going to be doing a thing called Comic School, where over the next couple of days, I'm going to do a free thing that I'm going to post, like, you know, um, I'm going to post lessons on how to write comics, um, assuming, uh, think, assuming so that things that she learned while she was writing at DC, like things DC probably taught her, you know? So she's like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to post it. It's going to be free. And I want you guys to, you know, just get writing. Cause I know we're inside and it'll just get creative juices flowing and you guys can bounce ideas off of one another. And, you know, let's get this kind of, um, um, creative community going in, in, in a kind of fun, but, but an academic way, like, let's show you the right way to do it, but it also be fun. So I'm like, okay, cool. Let, let's, let's do this. And one of the things was, um, creating a springboard for, um, a comic. She's like, okay, well, you guys are going to create an eight page comic and you guys are going to use this thing, this random kind of idea generator. It was like a virtual die that you roll. And, and if, you know, if you would roll a dice, a, a die and it would land on something. So for you roll one and you get the genre and then you write a comic and that whatever genre uh, pops up. And she's like, if you want it, you know, to go for an even bigger challenge, roll two and combine the genres. And I got horror and romance and that's how Tender came about. <laughs> 
Um, so it was literally kind of a roll of the die to get, you know, w- you know, whatever genre I landed on, that's what kind of comic I was going to write. And, and, um, tender came out of that. I guess I couldn't really see the theme of tender until I got done writing it. But I guess if you read tender, the theme is going to be something along the lines of, uh, no matter how messed up you think you are, there's someone out there for you. <laughs> um, I, I need a link to that. I need a link to that Gail Simone comic school. Hopefully it's still up. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. You can, I think there's a whole discord and everything. There's a whole community there. Yeah. You just, you can search it. I think that I can get you guys a link to the website and stuff like that. Oh, that'd be amazing. Yeah, please. That'd be amazing. Yeah. Very, very cool. It's it, like, and, and the way she promoted it was just like the way that Scott Snyder is promoting his class now, you know, whether you're, you've been writing comics for anyone from, you know, a a professional to someone that's been writing maybe just a little while to anybody that's, you know, never sat down and attempted to write a comic. It's, it's, it was for like all skill levels, like just breaking it down. Like these are the steps and, you know, to create a story or whatever. So very, very cool. Um, my process for, um, hit that like button was, was, uh, basically, um, again, COVID, everybody's inside, everybody's doing things virtually, and it's weird, because I never specify in Hit That Like Button if the world that uh, my characters uh, inhabit uh, is during a pandemic. Um, I, I, I was just assuming that, you know, people are, you know, doing things, they're doing jobs that involve working from home, whatever, and I came up with this idea of the single mom that was, you know, um, cause I heard a lot about like people like, you know, doing a lot of Twitch streaming, video game streaming and things like that. And I'm like, Oh, what's this? It's like a whole new kind of world. And I thought like, okay, well, what if someone's doing that? And in doing so, just like when you put yourself on social media, you open yourself up to a whole world of people that you don't know personally and that only know you and you only know them through that kind of uh, persona that either you or they are putting forth online. So in, in doing so, you might open yourself up to the wrong type of person and it might get deadly and dangerous. Um, because, uh, you know, what if you, what if you, you know, presented yourself online, you were living your life, you were doing whatever. And just through the, just through the simple act of having a presence on a, a, a social media platform, you open yourself up to someone that, you know, um, has some serious, uh, you know, why is, you know, serious, you know, wiring all wrong, you know, yeah. serious, uh, serious problems or, or, or homicidal tendencies or whatever. And that's how I came up with the idea of the kind of cyber stalker and how, how kind of frightening that could be. I mean, that, 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 that idea itself just frightens me. The fact that someone would, you know, go online and like, Oh, I know your name and I know where you are. And I can find out where you live. If I'm a hacker or whatever, you know, it's, it's really, it's really terrifying in the, the world we live in. So that, so I thought about, so that was kind of where that came from. And then I mentioned earlier with, with uh, complications, but more specifically with complications, it started with um, one of Debbie's um, family members having surgery. I think it was like back surgery. And then I don't remember if it was that day or if it was later, but I remember hearing something about surgery where um, in order to reconstruct um, a bone, they were uh, sometimes that they would take, I didn't know it was called an allograft at the time, like that's in the comic, but um, you would take um, bone or like bone tissue or whatever from a cadaver, from, from a corpse and use that to create a new um 
a new bone or a new, you know, a new hip or a new, you know, whatever. And I'm like, okay, well, if I took that a step further, you know, we're, we're in, we're in horror speculative land, you know, like what if, what if that got, um, what if that got, um, into the realm of the paranormal and, and, uh, what if that bone, um, had something wrong with it in a way that wasn't human. <laughs> so you got it. So you, it, again, like, what what you want to do is you want to take something from the real world and you want to just twist it. You want to just look at it from a different angle, like, you know, and ask yourself a lot of what if questions. And, uh, sometimes it leads you down a road that where you know, a whole story will come out and other times, you know, it'll, you know, it'll be, um, you know, it might, it might, um, it might, uh, evolve into another project for a later time. Oh, indeed. Yeah, um, and, and it's interesting. And it's interesting, um, you know, as you're, as you're describing like how you're uh, coming up with the, with these ideas, mm-hmm. um, like do you all, do you ever find yourself kind of like running into like um, like sort of like writer's block, like kind of being stuck mm-hmm. in a rut, or kind of perhaps even second guessing us uh, your ideas and thinking I don't know if this will if I can make anything out of this or like like how do you get through that that kind of like muck. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Yeah, the 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 writing part is actually the hardest part because um, when when you make a comic uh, the way that I'm doing now with with a um, artistic uh, creative partner, um, you know, you're collaborating. It's 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 a process. You bounce ideas off of one another, right? And and I actually think that's the easy part. You know, talking with them and doing layouts and and seeing what it'll evolve into. The hardest part is when you're writing in isolation. And you're just like, and, and I'm just writing something, and, and when when you're the only person that knows about it, so you have to, in the words of Kevin Smith, you know, be your own biggest cheerleader. You know what I mean? You have to be the one saying, like, you know, this is important, and I'm doing it because, you know, people will want to read. Like, let me put it this way. If you like your story, there's got to be at least three or four other people, at least three or four other people out there that are going to like it and connect to it as well, you know? So uh, that that's kind of how I look at it. I don't need to have millions, and I don't expect, you know, where I am right now to have millions of people reading my stuff, but enough of a community reading it that is going to be, enough, pe- enough people are going to be like, I feel the same way. I agree with that. That scares me, or whatever, you know. So I try to, while I'm writing in isolation, I try to think, like, if this scares me, it's... Like I heard somewhere that like you know you have to you scare yourself first. Like the greatest monster you scare yourself with is 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 yourself. If something is, um, if something is frightening to you, then more than likely it's you know you're going to be a shared a shared um, there's going to be a shared uh, fear among uh, the community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, indeed. Yeah, and and you know when you're. And, and, and thinking about it too, I know for me, like I've, mm. I've, I've, I myself have tried to, you know, and and, and, st- and still do. I try to like uh, get into dabble into a bit of uh, creative writing myself. Yeah, where, yeah. Where I, I even and I and I mentioned this uh, thing last week on the podcast uh, that I have like a Google, an ongoing Google document of like different mm-hmm. creative ideas that I have, and I just like put it onto onto the page. But um, I always, I always end up second guessing myself because. Mm-hmm. Where because like when I when I sit down and try to like try to like build an idea or 
or, or, or something like two wow. things two like two things always always go in, go into my mind one is like okay what if i end up writing something that's been done before that i've seen like a thousand times and and b like is this is this idea different enough or unique enough or is my spin on it gonna be uh you know unique enough or distinct enough and then I, then i end up not doing it because i end up mm-hmm. i end up talking myself out of uh out of getting into in, out, out, out of writing further and mm-hmm. i know that's i know that's that's like a stumbling block that i always try to try to get past but i but i have a hard time getting through so that's why that's part of why i'm, I'm interested I've, I've been interested in you know learning more about your process and how you uh how you navigate your ideas and bring them to fruition well, I, I would say my biggest piece of advice would be to, and this is a great piece of advice that is, you know, that has worked for me. Um, this, this has been helped me be very productive and successful is, um, start small. Like if you have an idea, like if you're doing creative writing, let's say you're not writing a comic, let's just say you're writing prose, um, write a five page short story. You know what I mean? Just write, you know, just to get your idea down because that sense of accomplishment you have. So the reason why I'm doing short horror comics is there's a few different reasons. So a few years ago, I was at a comic book uh, convention where I met um, Brian Azzarello, um, a writer and creator I I greatly admire. And I had him sign, you know, my, my comic and everything. And I asked him, I said, do you have any advice for an aspiring comic book writer, someone that's, or, or a novice comic book writer at that time. And he said, he said to start small. He said, you want to write four or five page comics and you want to write a lot of them. Cause he says, if you can learn to tell a story in four or five pages, complete story, build up character, beginning, middle and end conflict resolution, all that good stuff in four or five pages. Then by the time you get to a 20 or 22 page comic or a graphic novel, it's going to be a piece of cake because you already know the fundamentals and you've already done it in a short, in a in short form. Um, so cut to the Gail Simone class. Gail Simone um, was encouraging people to write. It was an eight page comic. And I said to myself, I said, well, this isn't very feasible with me right now. If I want to, you know, own the material and pay for an artist and all this kind of stuff. Right. So, and, and I remembered, I remembered Azarello again, start small. So I chopped an eight page comic, which was her, which was her advice there to do an eight page comic. So I chopped that in half. Um, and I said, okay, so I'm going to do it in a shorter form and I'll be able to get an artist that I can pay a reasonable amount of money. It'll be in black and white. So I don't have to, um, pay for colorist or, 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 or a coloring fee. Um, so again, starting, starting really small, um, going back to your point about, um, worried, you being wor- uh, worried that, uh, you're going to say something that's already been said before, like, oh, this has already been done before. Think about how many, like, how many vampire stories are out there, how many zombie stories are out there and people are still doing them and they're still passionate and people are still, um, audiences are still reading them and watching them and, and this and that. Um, so like, let me give you, I'll give you an example. So, Vampire stories have been done, you know, it seems, haha, done to death. But um, what about, um, what's his name, Niles, who did 30 Days of Night? Again, just putting that unique spin on the vampire genre where um, what if for, I think it was like 30 days or something like that in Alaska, what if there was no darkness, you know, 
or or what if or or what if it was completely or if, or if it was completely dark i think it was for for i think i'm messing it up but if if it was um completely dark with no sunlight or light for 30 days that's pretty terrifying um because I, I know different parts in Alaska. I know it's I know it's bright for thirty days and then it's completely dark for thirty days or whatever. But my my point is that I'm, I'm getting at is um that he had the uh, the crux of the story was he's like okay I'm doing a vampire story but how can I do this in a way that's gonna showcase me and my idea and a, and a new spin on it and also by the very nature of you're creating something um, it's unique because no, um, no one has your singular voice or vision. You know what I mean? So even though if you are working in a genre, if you're telling a, a, a zombie story or a vampire story or whatever, um, it's going to be unique because no one's told it before like like you. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. Are there any plans for you to um, expand and just do other type of genres besides horror? Yes, I'm actually really glad you mentioned that. So um, I'm actually doing kind of hush hush project right now with an artist. Um, you guys want to check him out? He's really awesome, Matt Crafton. Um, he's uh, um, Space Viking Productions, and uh, really really cool. And he does a lot of um, sci-fi uh, art and comics. And I'm doing a secret project with him right now that is almost complete, and we're looking at the deadline being. Um, uh, in the spring, and we're going to submit that to Heavy Metal magazine and see what nice. see what see what what uh, what kind of feedback we get from them. So yes, I am doing um, sci-fi as well as horror, and I'm up to. I think it's really the the story. I mean, the stories I want to tell right now are. It, it's like when I think they interviewed Tarantino one time, and and what back when he was doing like Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction and everything. And they're like, so you're the crime guy. You're going to do crime movies. He's like, well, that's what I'm doing right now. But I have a whole bunch of other interests. So it's kind of like the type of horror stories I'm telling right now are like where where I'm at right now, you know. But I could do, you know. But I I, I really like um. A lot of uh, uh, action movies, you know, like kind of like 80s, like canon films and, you know, things like that, like um, uh, or, or, or like really bad, like Arnold movies. And it'd, it'd be really fun to I, I would think in the future make I don't know if I'm going to, but it'd be really fun to write a story that's kind of like a like a throwback to an 80s Arnold action movie. That's 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 a comic, you know that kind of with the one-liners and, you know, ice that guy or whatever, you know, like that kind of stuff. <laughs> so that's, that's really fun. Um, I'm also, you know, in the future I could write, I could write comedy, you know, it's, it's just, it all depends on the story I want to tell right now. I'm focused on horror. Cause that seems to be where, where my greatest um, interests lie. Um, but like I said about comedy, like I, I wanted to make sure to address this as well. Um, so you're looking at the comics that I've written that are on my website, the ones I've done with uh, Jude uh, Killery, and uh, and you're looking at my Instagram, uh, which seems to be a total disconnect. The Instagram are drawings that you know I've done, and they're all very kind of happy and brightly colored and cartoony and almost kind of like you know these um, these uh, pop culture mashups and things like that. So I mean, I'm not always um, the horror guy. I think to be that guy. 24 seven, it would be incredibly taxing mentally and physically. It'd be very draining. It'd be very, you know, depressing to be in that world. Like imagine like if in your head you had to live, you know, all the time in a world like that movie seven, 
I mean, you 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 jump off a cliff. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, really. <laughs> so it'd be so depressing. So whenever I like to chill out, I enjoy you know I I like lighter comic strips that I I really enjoy. I really like you know Calvin and Hobbes and The Far Side and and um, the Peanuts and um you know, Garfield and things that are just kind of simpler and more and more fun to read and more, you know, things I, I, I connect with more that when I was, uh, when I was a kid, you know, um, and, uh, and, um, you know, I, what have I been doing lately? I just, you know, just, just to kind of mellow out the world is, you know, so heavy at times I've been watching, you know, Beavis and Butthead and, you know, I, I like to, you know, <laughs> I'm rediscovering that, you know, and I like, uh, I like the Ali G show and Borat and things like, you know what I mean? I like, I like a lot of comedy as well. My favorite movie of all time, actually, surprisingly, is not a horror movie. It's the Big Lebowski by the Coen brothers. Um, (laughs) Big Lebowski is just, I think it's so brilliant because it's a movie that's about nothing. It's almost like a weird stoner Seinfeld. I mean, it's just a movie about nothing, but it's just so much fun and entertaining to watch. I don't know if you guys are fans of Coen's and the Big Lebowski, but it's oh, it's, my, it's my favorite movie of all time. Never seen the Big Lebowski. Like I've seen bits and really? pieces of it, but I never sat down and just watched this. Watch this. Really? Oh wow! Yeah, it's a it's a. Good I know. Movie. Shame on me. <laughs> it's a good movie. Well, you know what's really weird is um, the first time I watched the Big Lebowski, I didn't like it. Because it, it, it it's it's something that had to. I I think the the thing about when you when you have a favorite film, I think it kind of follows you and grows and evolves with you. So it just seems to be a movie like no matter where I am in life, I'll just pop that movie on, and uh, I'll you know it'll just make my day better. You know, like I could you know, I'm not going to, but I could watch it as soon as I'm done talking to you guys, you know. Um it's just a really enjoyable movie. It puts me in a really great headspace. It's really silly, you know. Do you all right, I, I know it's tough. What are you guys favorite movies? Uh Coming to America. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Uh oh gosh, there's so many. Um yeah, if you if you ask me on um, like a different different times of the day, I might give you different answers. Favorite favorite um, favorite, com- favorite comedy. Favorite comedy. Uh, I would have to say coming to America. Really? Um, okay. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, it's that, that's probably my favorite '80s Eddie Murphy movie. Um, yeah, that's that's a great film. Nice. Um, I didn't I didn't I didn't see the kind of sequel one that was it Amazon? Did they do that one? They, yeah. they did a new one. Yeah. Was it was it was it good? I didn't see it. I thought so. A lot of people didn't like it. It's not as good as the first one, but if yeah. on its own merit, it was still pretty good and pretty like uh, smartly written. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was it was nice to get the band back together too to have Eddie Murphy and and um 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 what's oh, Arsenio name? Hall. Arsenio Hall. That's it. Yeah, yeah, and that and that's exactly what it was, at least to me. So it was like, okay, it's nice to see these people again. But then there, there are some hidden Easter eggs that you know okay. tie into the first one and like other, uh, other eighties uh, movies, like like Trading Places and Coming to America were in the same universe, and they still is. Like you can still see yeah. like very yeah, subtle, yeah. very subtle uh, Easter eggs in that movie as well. So I mean, yeah, just give it, give it a shot. You would, you'd, you'd, you'd recommend watching. You recommend watching the new one. Yeah. yeah, I like. Uh, d- didn't Craig Brewer direct? I don't want to get t- too far down a geeky rabbit hole, but yeah. um, Craig Brewer, who did, um, if I'm not, I'm not, I'm not uh, if I'm not mistaken, I, uh, he did. Um, um, oh, Dolomite is my name. Uh, Hustle and Flow, Black Snake Moan, right? Yep, yep, he did. Yeah, um, the remake of Footloose, which I actually didn't think was horrendous. I thought it was okay. Um, but yeah, he's he's a very talented. I might give it a shot. He's a very talented director, so maybe he can do something with it. 
So I'll, I'll, I'll definitely look into it. I'll, I'll be, I'll try to be open-minded about it. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's more of like a like a nostalgia trip, like down memory lane. It's like, oh, this yeah, is nice. Yeah. yeah, like it's not trying, it's not trying to top the original in any way. Yeah, no, it's not. Yeah, I think that was like a lot of. I think that was the problem with it. Why you didn't get like the best reviews and all that uh-huh. because people thought it was trying to top it when it was just no. It's just oh, let's just make another one for the sake of making another one. It's it's it does its own thing. It's not trying to be better right. than the first one. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then like, like what would you? And speaking of favorite movies, like what would you? What would you put in your uh, top five? Top five favorite films of all time. Oh you... my god. Um, oh, they, I mean, not, not in order, but like, but yeah. they they rotate. So yeah. I could. So okay, Lebowski is one. Um, and that's always number one. That doesn't change. But the other ones rotate in and out of. So I've got um, Taxi Driver, um, The Matrix. Um. Oh my God, this is so tough. Um, because I don't want to choose two Scorsese movies for the, the top. Th- th- throw out some other ones, and I'll see if it, we 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 line up on some uh, on our with our tasty movies. Oh man, that's the worst. That's the worst question to ask anybody. Because it, 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 it's, it's just like you like, said. Like, it or, depends on the day to change. Like coming to America would be my number. But then okay. I'll probably say, and you know, me being such a comic nerd, Endgame will be probably my number two because oh, cool. awesome. I never got an experience like that before in a movie. And yeah, we kind of got it with uh, No Way Home, but it's like that was the first time I really got an experience like that. So Endgame would would um, would make that. But then like one day I'll just go on a nostalgia trip and okay probably the first ninja turtles movie because like i can still i can still quote that to this day um that's a movie that um got better for me so so with just as a side note so ninja turtles um uh when i was a kid i watched a lot of secret of the ooze but i didn't watch a lot of the first one or i don't think maybe i had ever seen it and then i loved secret of the ooze when i was a kid and Again, didn't really have too much exposure to the first one. And I found as I got older, Secret of the Ooze aged really poorly. Like, it's kind of just a silly movie for kids. And then the first movie actually holds up a lot better uh, yes, it does. For, for an adult audience. Because it's a lot like the comics and it's really dark. Like, the first movie, like, really, really went there. You know, I mean, not, not that it's like... You know, it's 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 not a Gaspar Noe film or anything. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. just going there, but but it, but but it, at the time, it 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 took risks for being like a dark comic book movie that kids went to see. You know? Yeah, and some fun fact that uh, parents complained about the violence from the first movie, and if yes. you actually watch Secret of the Ooze, they never use their weapons once. That's exactly right. Yeah, that's what happened. Yeah. And it's noticeable now as an adult that, that now that we're aware of that, it's very noticeable. Oh, yeah. They're fighting with, like, you know, um, sausages and... And cold cuts in the beginning. And combat cold cuts and all that. Yeah. yeah. Um, what's, what's actually really funny is how, um, not to get too far off topic from favorite movies, but um, one thing I learned to appreciate over the past couple years is, like... Um, cult cinema and like trash movies and like, well, I'll give you an example. So like, um, 
I, I mentioned like legit, like I really like, you know, Martin Scorsese and, you know, Orson Welles and, you know, like legitimately, you know, legitimate film directors that make really, really good movies, you know. But on the other hand, I also really like Troma and The Toxic Avenger. Um in poultry geist and all this kind of stuff you know i like movies from vinegar syndrome and severin and and you know kind of like exploitation movies um uh, i'm trying to think of something that was just, oh oh i really i'm a big john waters fan which yeah. is really no surprise because of you know <laughs> shock value and all that still haven't seen pink flamingos fingers crossed that Criterion's going to release it i hope so i hope so too um, yeah I, I really have you seen it? Uh, I haven't seen Pink Flamingo still. I've seen I've oh, seen three of his other movies. Um, no, yeah. four of his other movies, like Multiple Maniacs and Polyester, which is my favorite so far. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did, did you see Female Trouble? That movie's awesome. Yes, that that was yeah. really good. Yeah, yeah, I what I just I I appreciate that we have someone like John Waters being like I grew up in the fifties and. It was a horrible time for America because everybody was, you know, everything was cookie cutter and this and that. And he's like, I want to break out of that by making movies where, you know, um, drag queens eat dog crap. You know what I mean? I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's, that's basically pick flamingos. Like um, I'm rebelling against, you know, all the propriety that I grew up with in the fifties, you know? Mm. Oh yeah. I I can't wait. I can't wait. Indeed. Uh, Yeah, so yeah, I'll say getting back to like favorite movies. At least, oh, yeah. at, at oh, least, yeah. at least at the time of this recording, I'm sure like our answers will probably sure. differ. Um, sure. For me, I'd say like uh, Rear Window, Alfred Hitchcock. Yes, yeah, that's, that's a good movie. Yeah, that's my favorite of his. Uh, the Apartment by Billy Wilder. Oh yeah, um, really like that one. Uh, Do the Right Thing. Um, yes, one of my favorites as well. Yeah, uh, The Tree of Life. I really like that movie. Um, oh, that's a great film. I love, I love that part in Tree of Life where it's, it, it, it feels like it's like a twenty minute long. To, to, I mean, I don't know how long it is, but it, it might be like you know fifteen minutes or something like that, where it shows like the creation of the universe, and it's just like, yeah. and it's just without dialogue and everything, and I'm just like, oh wow, this is awesome, you know? Yeah. Um, tree, yeah, Tree of Life blew me away. I like, I really like um, Terrence Malick films. He's, he's, he's a really good filmmaker. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, I can definitely see where you're coming from with Tree of Life. Like every, everybody that's um, do you know that when Tree of Life came out, like there was actually a um, a notice posted on like um, on doors at the cinema, like basically saying that Tree of Life is a polarizing movie. We, like basically saying people won't get their money back if they don't like it <laughs> because no, it was it was crazy. It's like it's a movie that doesn't really have a narrative and it's more cerebral and it asks you to it asks you to do a lot of heavy. It's basically saying like if if you know, this is too arty farty for you. You're not getting your money back. <laughs> yeah. Funny. Hmm. But yeah, I, I like, I like tree of life a lot. Um, I gotta, I gotta show it to Deborah. I don't think she's ever seen it, but it's tree of life is great. It is. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm telling Carl, like he should definitely uh, watch it. One of these days. It's a great oh, it's movie. Good. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Brad Pitt and Jessica Chastain are in it. it it's, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's the complete opposite of Ari Aster, Carl. So you don't have to worry. <laughs> I don't trust you. I, I I do not trust you. I because I trust you. I had a couple of times for oh, watch this movie, watch this movie. Other people don't watch, don't trust me <laughs> because I'm putting them on to like some weird shit. They're like, yeah, no, we can't trust. We can't trust you. Was there was there an incident? What happened? <laughs> okay, so I'm a, I'm pretty big on TikTok. Like I that's just been like my 
nice little toilet thing to go toilet scroller thing. So um there's a challenge where you would watch you record yourself watching the opening scene to um oh god, why am I having such a pretty fart? Oh nocturnal uh, animals? Nocturnal animals, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, where the where the where the obese woman is dancing, like the burlesque dancer or whatever. And, yeah, and yeah. and it, it, it's just that for the credits, right? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah that's I, it. I, yeah, I, I have the movie. Yeah, it's it's a good film, but I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Mm. Yeah, so I I did, had a couple of people like from work and stuff like do the challenge, and they're just like, yeah, yeah, I'm not I'm not watching. Any movie you recommend, unless it's a comic book movie. Wow! Don't even <laughs> What's really weird is that that has nothing to do nothing with to do movie. with the movie. Yeah, it really. Well, well, it, it, well it, it does thematically, in my opinion, but it doesn't really connect plot wise. I don't remember it connecting plot wise. Oh no, it didn't. Not at all. She'd never seen it because I'm too busy, like making people do the challenges and stuff, and putting them on my TikTok and stuff. Well, my the reactions opinion, are hilarious. But. Well, my opinion about what the opening of that movie means is, and not to get too film student artsy about it, but I really think that a nocturnal animals, a big theme of that movie is what is ugliness. Um, so it's really, it's showing you the woman dancing at the beginning and by society's standards, like that's, you know, by society's standards, like n- that's not really beauty that, that what's happening there. Right. But then as the movie goes on and people start doing horrible things to one another and there starts to be, you know, murders and assaults and all this kind of stuff. And, and it's, it starts to really – things start to really heat up. It's asking you to really think like, no, that's not ugliness. Like this is – what people do to one another is ugliness. Mm. You know what I mean? Like so yeah. it's really – and that's, that's what I got from that. I'm like that's why I think that um, – that uh, I forget the directive. That's why I oh, think he, uh, he, put, he put that in. Who is it? Oh, uh, Tom Ford. Tom Ford, yeah, that's why I think Tom Ford he, he wanted to kind of set up uh, expectations of what we think, you know, what what we think beauty is, and then and really realize that in the world is really where we find the ugliness and what people do to one another, you know. Right. That's that's what I got from it. I don't know if that's literally what it means, but um, yeah, I haven't but, seen the whole movie. So, so. Oh, it's a great movie. Nocturnal Animals is great. It is, and, um, and so I've heard. I just haven't, you know. I've been too busy, you know, having fun with that you know, particular challenge. Yeah, that I just yeah. Kinda... Yeah. yeah, I don't know. What is Tom? Has Tom Ford done any other films that I'm? Uh, he did one other one, a single man with Colin Firth and uh, Julianne Moore. Uh huh. Yeah, that was like. Okay, I haven't. I haven't seen that. Yeah, that was really good. It was like a. It's like a small intimate drama. That character drama yeah, came out like yeah. I think that doesn't someone's partner die, and it's like a whole day of them showing a day in the life of them dealing with it, or how their grief, or something like that. Yeah, it was like Colin yeah. Firth, like his, I think his husband or 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 boyfriend died, and yeah, and Julian yeah, kind of like working through it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's I I checked that out as well. I, there's there's so many blind spots in movies I haven't seen yet. You know, yeah. up until like a few years. Well, I say a few years ago. It's been it's been longer than that, but. Um, for the longest time, you know, years ago, I hadn't seen Rocky and then my friend basically made me sit down and we watched all of them and I really surprised and I, I not only liked the Rocky franchise, but I also became a really big fan of Stallone as an actor. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'm always watching stuff with Stallone in it. Like I got, um, I recently got Demolition Man and showed it to Deborah. I'm just like, you got to see this cheesy movie from the nineties, you know, him and Wesley Snipes, you know? Yeah, yeah. Demolition Man still holds up surprisingly well, especially thematically. Yeah. 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 The whole idea of like 
what I like about that movie is that the future that they envisioned for us was like perfect, you know, where there'd be no, no cursing and no traffic and no, you know, it's just like utopia, you know, and it's, and it's, it's, it's an interesting, it's, I mean, it's not a perfect movie by any means, but the stuff in that, there's good stuff in that movie that there, that um, is being commented on about our society, the franchise wars and how like every restaurant is now Taco Bell, which is hilarious. Mm. Um, <laughs> Demolition Man, Demolition Man is, a, I'm not saying, I'm not going to say a great movie. It's not, but it's a fun movie. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, um, and also like Copland is also pretty underrated too. Stolen hey, didn't you, just, you just posted that on your, on the Instagram, right? Yep. Um, I watched that, um, I've seen it before, but I haven't seen it in years. I'd, I'd actually like to. I'd actually like to revisit that. Um, now, who's it's uh, Stallone and Janine Garofalo? Who else is in that? Uh, it was uh, Harvey Harvey Keitel, Ray Liotta, oh, yeah. Robert De Niro. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. yeah, Harvey Keitel's a great actor. Oh yeah, and it was also oh. directed by uh, James Mangold. Um, he also oh, yeah. did the Wolverine and Logan. And yeah, 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 yeah. Man, Logan was so good. Yeah, um, it was. It was it's on Hulu now. Yeah. I, I actually like watching Logan in, in black and white. Like, you know, you get the you get the disc and you can watch and you have the option to watch like the noir version or whatever. Yep. Watching Logan in black and white is actually kind of cool. Yeah. I actually didn't know that. Yeah, it's cool. It's fun. Um, Lo- Logan's a cool movie, though, because essentially James Mangold made like he made a kind of like like a Western, like a Clint Eastwood right. Western, but using a Marvel character and using those, you know, with similar, using similar themes, you know, that whole idea of like the one hero that's outlasted everybody. And now he's lonely. It's, it's really, it's, it's very much kind of like unforgiving, you know, in a way. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. And, 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 it's, and it's a good thing that we got that movie before D- Disney ultimately bought 20th century Fox, because yeah. we're not going to see a movie of that, like in, in the MCU, yeah, for sure. Oh, when people always, when people ask me what my favorite Marvel movies are, you know what I always tell them? I always tell them Blade. I always tell them The Punisher. You know what I mean? All kinds of stuff that's not the squeaky MCU, like because uh, uh, technically it's Marvel. You know, going yeah. back watching Blade or going back and watching, you know, the the Tom Jane Punisher, which I think is underrated. I actually really like that movie. Um, okay, it's fun. Yeah. Um, like I would say, like both Punisher films, like the Tom Thomas Jane one and the um, the Punisher War Zone, uh, that was yeah. actually it was actually pretty silly fun for what it was, you know. What's that? Ray, with Ray Stevenson? Yeah, Ray Stevenson. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was that that was brutal. I mean, like yeah. it's it's like, but you, but, and this was before like um, Netflix did the John Bernthal Punisher and all that kind of stuff. But like it was the War Zone is a brutal movie. Yeah. Um, but uh, I I I, rem- I remember it being I mean like. Because I mean, Punisher pulls no punches. I mean, like that's that's if you were able to show everything in the comic, I mean, then that's it. You know, it's very it's very much like um, what I imagine Garth Ennis's uh, run of run of Punisher is. You know, that Punisher Max. Mm-hmm. Like it's this is NC seventeen Punisher, and we're gonna we're not sugarcoating anything. Yeah, Jason Aaron has a has an NC seventeen Punisher that I've been trying to get my hands on for like the longest time. I just I try to look for it in stores, and they don't even have it. <laughs> what, what's what's that series? What's that one called? Uh, I'm really only trying to buy it for like one sit for like one scene that involves like Kingpin getting raped in jail, and oh my like, god, he gets, yeah, he, Kingpin gets raped in jail. Oh shit! Damn. So then he eventually gets out, finds the guy's wife, rapes her. 
Oh my god. Pays cut me. He's like, yo, I paid a whole bunch of like homeless people rocking booze just to come and rape your wife. The guy breaks out of jail just to come. God. Then they Holy crap. Then they kill him. They don't take it they don't take the wife's body out. He just kills him so the last thing that he sees is his wife like brutally murdered. Oh my god. Damn that's wow, that's that's dark from even even by Marvel's Max. How did Marvel it's, allow it's, that? You know, like it, it's under Marvel? their max line. It's under their max line. Oh, the max, yeah. yeah. Oh, this is crazy. Stuff. Oh, I'll show. I can say I'll send you like the image. <laughs> no, just, I'll, I'll, just, I'd read. You know, what's really sick about this whole thing, like just us with horror and and you know, because again, that's not necessarily horror, but it's horrific. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's like. The, the weird part about it is, of course, you know, I, I think I'm in the right field writing horror because as soon as you, you, you went through that whole spiel telling me about, like, what, what it's actually about, my, my first reaction was, I'd read that. You know? <laughs> you know I'm, like, I'm not shying away from it. I'm like, th- th- that gets me interested. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, when I discovered that, I'm like, this ha- I'm like, this happened? Where is it? It's actually somebody just posted the clip and they didn't say which comic it was, and I, it was just the it was just like the picture of it. And, and I'm was, like, was this re- was this recently? Like maybe like 2015 or something like that? Like when, when probably was a little before that. Okay, crazy stuff. What about Marvel was doing some crazy stuff before like the whole Disney thing? Like like um, it, it really interesting. Like there was one where like didn't um, Norman Osborn like impregnate. Yeah, Parker's girlfriend, and they had like they had like Osborne babies or something. <laughs> There's a tie in the the latest Nick Spencer run that just ended. It yeah. it goes it goes full circle. And you're like, oh, like you didn't see it coming. Yeah, that's all I'm gonna. That's all I'm gonna say. But there's some crazy Marvel comics out there. Like yeah, I- like crazy. And there's still some like Marvel Max titles that do come out. Like one of them, yeah. like yeah, one of them is the uh, there was a Blade and Wolverine team up. Okay, that was like really bloody. And now they're doing these new lines called um, these new lines that it's called uh, whatever the hero is. Like the first one was Wolverine, but it's black, white, and blood. Mm-hmm. So it's just meant to be like bloody gory. And it, the, what, what is it like a three color thing? Like it's black and white and red or something like that. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. They, so they did one for Wolverine, Deadpool, Carnage, and Electra just came out like last week. Oh, really cool, really cool. Yeah, so they're taking like the real violent characters and just using that element. Right, because they're you know the one thing about um about Marvel is that. Um, it can't all be the MCU. It can't all right. be a PG thirteen. No one ever drinks. No one ever. You know, Nick Fury doesn't smoke a cigar. You know what I mean? It, it, you know, because because it's been very. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like some MCU films. Um, I like. I, I'm more of a DC fan. I don't know if I'm among good company when it comes to you know. Is it Victor? Okay, Carl. You, it's Vic. I'm the. I, I rep the rep brand. Okay. See, I I, 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 bleed black and blue. Uh, but anyway, um, but I, no, I love, I love DC. But, the, but the thing about it is, um, with, uh, D, I just like DC. DC is always going darker. You know, always. You know, it's like 
I couldn't picture Marvel coming out with like a Killing Joke. You know, I couldn't. I couldn't picture that. Um, but uh, but again, back to the movies. Um, I'm glad that there's the Netflix stuff that you know for more because there are more. There are fans out there that want more mature subject matter from, and they want their movies to be more more um, based in the you know. I mean, they're superheroes and stuff like that. But I mean, like, but if you watch something like Daredevil, I mean, like, you can picture a guy going out and you know you know, beaten ass. You know what I mean? Like, right, yeah. Or, 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 or a guy, the Punisher is basically just like, you know, a really pissed off and traumatized vet. You know what I mean? Like you could picture that happening. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I don't know where I was going with that, but, but uh, if anything, there, there's something for everybody, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad that it's not just the MCU isn't just what Marvel is about. It's one part of Marvel, but it's not, it's not the entire company. You know what I mean? Right. And yeah, and, and and also a couple of things too. It's, it's it's very interesting that as popular as as the MCU is, it, it still feels like that the comics themselves are still niche. Like if that makes sense, like 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 mm-hmm. the like even even if you read like like the main runs like for their main series like Daredevil or like Spider Man, mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. Like the same fans who are into like the MCU, like they mm-hmm. wouldn't go out of their way to read any of the comics. And so the mm-hmm. comics still kind of feel like they still have like their they can they can go a little more wild or a little more explicit. Oh yeah. Um, even though it's all still owned under the the, the, the Disney banner. Um, mm-hmm. And and also another point too, thinking about it, um, looking at the, I don't, I don't know if you had a chance to see Hawkeye. Um, uh, no, I haven't. I've, yeah. I've I've read. I've read the first trade paperback of um, Matt Fraction and David Aha's uh, run, and I, I really liked. Someone had to kind of basically pitch it to me as like, no, 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 this is really cool. They do something new because I, I, I thought initially I'm like Hawkeye's not really an exciting character. I mean, kind of like a you know Robin Hood doesn't have powers, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I really, really enjoyed that comic for the the innovative things that they, they did with it. Um, so my, my experience with Hawkeye has been just the, the MCU, his part in the MCU movies and the Matt Fraction comic, the first, the first uh, issue was the first right. uh, trade paperback. Yeah. Um, like, and I was going to say with Hawkeye, I, my very minor spoilers, um, mm. King Kingpin um, does make an appearance in Hawkeye mm. and, 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 and it, and it kind of, it kind of like took me aback a little because it's like, when, because if you've seen you know Daredevil on Netflix, you still you know how dark and gritty the Netflix series gets. So yes, when you're right. getting a character like Wilson Fisk, whom we've seen do some pretty dastardly shit, violent shit in in the Netflix series, to see him in the PG-13 MCU, he's going to be like basically nerfed. It's still, it's still like, and, yeah. and, 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 and it's been established that the Netflix series takes place in the same universe as the main MCU. It's it's kind of like you know we're, we're, it's like it's like trying to. Kind of like trying to rationalize it as a as a viewer and as a fan. It's like, okay, how are you yeah. gonna take this violent character and just nerf him and then make us believe that okay, this is what Kingpin is now, even though we've seen him do the most violent stuff ever, like slam a dude's head repeatedly in a car door until his brains fell out. Well, didn't he like? I mean, again, no, no, no spoilers here. I mean, it's been it's been out a long time, right? You guys have all seen Daredevil on Netflix. Yes. Um, okay. Yeah. Didn't he like kill his father or watch his father get murdered in front of him? Like something like that. I, and I was very tempted today to like watch Daredevil this morning. <laughs> this morning while I work, I think, I think what happened. I think what happened was in, in the in the series. I think like his. I, 
I could be completely wrong, but like his father gets murdered like in front of him. Either he does it or the mother does it, and he's just like watching like as a kid. Yeah. Oh, oh shit. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's like I, re- I remember that scene of him what that I get that I have that picture of him watching it, but it's like I yeah. don't remember him like maybe the mother does it in front of him or something. Like, yeah, yeah like, I would, that's something I would like to revisit. It is in the yeah the Marvel Netflix series. I do. I would like to revisit them just to like. All right, um, let's see. Like you know, if they see if they still hold up or you know where yeah. they, where would they be at and stuff. Yeah. And I still have yeah. finished like Agents of Shield and stuff. So and still watch Agent Carter. Yeah. Um, the first the thing about Agent Carter is like I was watching it. I was trying to buy the, the seasons or whatever. I, I I don't know if it's the case now where you can't find the second season or whatever. But I got the first season of Agent Carter and I watched. It. I really liked it. I thought it was good. Um, yeah. It's on Disney Plus. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, talking about just darker shows. I mean, um, a, a friend of mine, my, my my buddy Andrew and I were really just we're just big DC fans. So um, he um, and I think it's really cool that like you can watch all that stuff on like HBO Max and and this and that. But um, he he got me a, a gift one time. I think it was like for my birthday or something like that. Or uh, and he, and he got me um, the Titans series, the season one of Titans, and. That was really good. I don't know if you guys have seen that. That's awesome. I heard that was like good. I've, I've heard good things about that. You know, and it's nice to see Brendan Fraser to get work again. So, well, well, yeah, well, well, he was in Doom Patrol. Doom Patrol, yeah. Doom Patrol. Okay, I had him mixed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's okay. Good. Doom Patrol is what I was thinking. Like, that was really popular. Titans is basically like Robin's like. I can't be with Batman anymore because he's ruining my life. Like he has turned me into this killing machine. And I don't want to be that person. So Robin basically is like, um, he's working like he's a detective with the police. And stuff. it's really weird, like where this starts. And it's, it's really interesting because I didn't know a lot about Teen Titans, like, you know, Beast Boy and Starfire and things like that. Um, so it was, it was really cool to get um, immersed in that world of characters that, don't really get their due that are thought of just kind of like as side characters you know? which was which was really nice too um when i was watching arrow that like one of the main villains early on in arrow was deathstroke and i'm just and that was the first time that i i was a i was aware of deathstroke i'm like who's this this is cool and then i found out about the um the george perez comics and everything so yeah but it's it's, it's really cool what they're doing with marvel and dc with the television and movies and trying to create these these universes like i'm, I'm a big fan of the um I really like the uh, the Snyder cut, like the the, the four hour long Justice League. I, I was able to get that on a Black Friday sale. I got that for like ten dollars. Really, really. I mean, I, I, I watched it on HBO and I loved it. But I'm really excited about diving into some of the special features, maybe their commentaries and making ofs and all that kind of stuff. Like, I really, I'm a big. Uh, I like Batfleck. I was into I was into uh, Ben Affleck as Batman. Really hyped about Robert Pattinson as being. You know, this is so weird that we're so hyped about Robert. I mean, someone like me because like years ago they're like, oh, it's the guy from Twilight. You know, but he's just done so many great things. Like, you oh, give him a good script and and he can really saying like um good time and the lighthouse and you know all that stuff and he's just really showing his chops and i'm really excited about the about the batman movie yeah i'm still not yet quite convinced you know because he's still because i mean he's just still he still has that baby face really to me so it's just like oh you know i'll i'll still i'll you know dedicate three hours of, oh that movie's gonna be three hours <laughs> Is it so, really? wow yeah but uh like i said that Black churches that have prepared me for moments like this. <laughs> uh, I can hear, I can, trust me, I can sit through it. Yeah. 
Yeah. I don't. Hey, I don't. I don't mind a two and a half hour, three hour. Recently, I watched a movie that will like. I'm like, in theory, I'm like, does this really need to be that long? But I watched it and I was completely engrossed. Did you? I, I was. I was very surprised. Did you guys see the new James Bond, The No Time to Die? Did you guys see that? I, I, I have. I didn't say yes. Oh, really good. Um, yeah. And I was really surprised because my expectations going into it were just like it's better than because I watched Spectre and I was really let down. I thought like. Uh, there, there were so many things in Spectre that were just like, wow, this is just so boring, or I've just seen it before. Spectre was just very forgettable. I just thought it was a very flat, forgettable Bond film. And again, you, you know, you have a Bond series that's been going since the '60s. Not every movie is going to be great, yeah. but um, my expectations going into No Time, No Time to Die were like, it's better than someone told me it's better than Spectre. I'm like, okay, so they were very low. And I was actually really, I, I thought it was a really, really great film. Like it's, it's oh, one of the better Daniel Craig films. I thought it was, I thought it was really good. I'm definitely going to recommend it. If you haven't, if you haven't seen it yet, no, the no time to die, the newest, newest Bond film. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think I've seen it on Hulu. I think it's available on Hulu right now. Yeah. Yeah, definitely give it a watch. But the, the, the point I was making with that, it was, um, I looked at the runtime and I'm like, cause you know, you, you you, know, you look at run. Sometimes I look at runtimes just in terms of how much time I have, like to to watch a movie. You know, mm-hmm. just with everything else that you know going on in my life. But um, I saw that I think No Time to Die is almost two hours and forty five minutes. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my god! Like, does this really need to be this kind of like you know, Casino Wolf of Wall Street Irishman long? Like, does it really need to be this long? And I watched it, and I really don't think anything there was really no fat. I mean, it was just, it was just an epic story. And I thought, I'm just like, okay, two hours, 45 minutes. Like, I don't have a problem. My, my point is I don't have a problem with things that are super long in theory. If it, it, it engrosses me the whole time. And if, and if, every, if every scene is necessary, like I could watch the Irishman all day and all night. Like it's just such a perfect movie and it's so long, but it doesn't feel long because you're engrossed the whole time, you know? Mm. Oh yeah, for sure. And it kind of makes me think of the uh, Roger Ebert's quote. He said that uh, no good movie is too long, and no bad movie is short enough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's no, true. Yeah, and and also uh, since you mentioned DC films, I gotta ask, uh, what did you think about uh, Birds of Prey, and why is it great? Oh Jesus! <laughs> I like Birds of Prey. Be- uh, sorry for flirting with cursing but like i like birds birds of prey because it was because it was ballsy you know what i mean like it was really they tried so many different things and it had such a unique vision of i I forget the name of the woman who directed it uh kathy yan kathy yan yes Mm -hmm. um she was just able to take so many risks and the studio allowed her and i just it was just (laughs) It was just really, really fun. Like it was like it, it and, and and I'm not saying this in a um I'm not saying this in a, a disparaging way, but it really was kind of a DC female driven Deadpool in, in a way that it was really, really fun and had a lot of nods and a lot of a lot of um fourth wall a, a kind of like winks at the audience and things like that and it was just a really fun badass movie starring a, a bunch of kick-ass women i mean it was really cool um i i really um what i the thing was i was poo-pooing it like when i first heard about it i'm like oh i hate this this title and i don't know what this is going to be like it just it just seemed like it could have been a train wreck you know but seeing it i really really liked it and margot robbie just kills it in that movie it's it's and and um ewan mcgregor as black mask just quotable like when he's like just so many cool things about that movie it's like this is an r-rated movie and 
were not shying away from that. Like he's like peeling someone's face off and he's just like, Ooh, it's gooey. You know, like it's just, it's, it's great. Um, uh, I, I really, I really like birds of prey. I've seen it a few times and it's just a cool movie where Harley Quinn's like, you know what? I'm done with the Joker. I'm going to run this town and just, you know, and it's, and it's really funny too. It's really, it's birds of prey has a lot going for it. And I, I like it. It is. Well, I just it, it didn't do it for you. Didn't do it for you? No. no. That's fair. And, just, and I got to I got I, I to say, and this is really this is a hot take. Well, not maybe not so much because of me being a DC person, but um, I don't really like the Tom Holland Spider Man movies. Um, I'm not a big fan of Tom Holland. Just doesn't do it for me, and what they're doing with Spider Man doesn't doesn't do it for me. I'm, I think that I think that um, of all the Spider Man stories you can tell, it's like he's still in high school. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I thought that when I saw Spider-Verse, um, I like that kind of older Peter Parker where like he was kind of going through an existential crisis and like he was having problems with his marriage. It's like, why can't we see that live action? Make a whole movie out of that. You know, like, cause, cause I'm just, because there, there's such a rich history of Spider-Man and every time we see a movie, it's always like, I don't know, I'm 16 and in high school again. I, it just, I, it seemed to me to be kind of like old hat. Um, yeah, but- and, 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 and plus I'm, I'm very biased because I grew up watching the Tobey Maguire Spider-Mans in the theater and, and everything. So I have, I nostalgia is working against me in, in, in that area. So. Yeah. I think with this one though, like, yeah, he's still, he's still in high school because of what, you know, that's what, you know, how Spider-Man always was, you know, sure, before, sure. eventually, but you actually, especially with No Way Home, you really do see growth. Like putting it, you know, tying it together. I'm like, okay, you see, just a kid wanting to be an adventure. Now you see him. He's like, all right. Now he's to learn about being a hero and doing the right thing. Now he's making those. I don't know if you've seen No Way Home yet, but mm-hmm. it's like, oh, uh, then you. This one, you will definitely, definitely, definitely see like major growth with the Top Hollow series. So. Yeah. Well, I think I think the main thing with with any movie, whether it be comic book or otherwise, is I, I always try to be I always try to be open minded. Like again, this is this might be a hot take, but I really, really, really wanted to like the newest Matrix movie, like The Matrix Four, mm-hmm. um, and it just and that movie didn't do it for me. That's fair. I still haven't finished it. No, that's fair. I mean, I I I, I enjoyed I enjoyed the Ma- uh, Matrix Resurrections. Um, I thought it was yeah. uh, I thought it was the best of the Matrix sequels. Although from a certain point of view, that might not be saying much. Um, mm-hmm. I appreciated what it, what it was trying to do and like how how it how it brought back uh, Trinity and Neo, and you know and what it was trying to do. I I, I, dug, I I was picking up what it was putting down. So I yeah yeah. So I, I appreciated what it was trying to do. But again, it, like I said, I I really. I, I want to go into things with, with an open mind. Like if there's some kind of sequel or some kind of reboot or something that comes out, you know, I don't want to, you know, um, I'm trying to think of, uh, because for me, for me to, I'm shooting myself in the foot. If I would say like, Oh, I don't like remakes or I don't like, you know, whatever, because some of my favorite movies of all time have been remakes. The 1983 Scarface movie is a remake. Yep. Right. You now, as well as, um, you know, I'm trying to I'm trying to think of other uh, remakes. I know that uh, the Martin Scorsese Cape Fear with Robert De Niro. I know that's a remake. Um, trying to think um, the uh, the Dawn, uh, uh, um, Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead is a remake. You know, stuff like that. Um, so it's really interesting that a lot more movies out there that people think are actually 
you know, remakes, you know, for the good or, or for the good or, 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 or the, for good or ill, because, um, because Showgirls, I'm pretty sure is a remake of, uh, what all about Eve, um, just set in Las Vegas and let's not go there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Showgirls has a notorious reputation for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. Um, really, really horrible. Um, and, and also like, and also, speaking of uh, 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 great remakes, uh, David Cronenberg's *The Fly* that's one of my all-time favorites. Yeah. Oh, oh, I'm glad I'm glad you mentioned that. I haven't seen the original movie, but I guarantee you, it's not going to have. Uh, uh, was was it Vincent Price in that movie? Yeah. Um, so. He's not going to be ripping off his own fingernails. You know what I mean? Like. Oh yeah, or like vomiting like the viscous white liquid to digest his food. Oh yeah. my god! Oh, *The Fly* is so gross. Yeah. Um, it's, but again, oh my God! You want to talk about body horror, Brundlefly, and, and but yeah. the, that's such a good, that's such a good movie, though. It is. It's, uh, a, it's a beautiful film too. Like I, if, you, if you sit down and have a nice meal, it's great. I hate. <laughs> wait, 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 what did you say about a meal? What? If you sit down and have a nice meal while watching The Fly, it's great. Oh yeah, time. Yeah, I hear about Cannibal Holocaust. <laughs> one one time, uh, before you, uh, you know that you know that movie. Um, I think it's an Australian. Is it an Australian movie? The, uh, or no, French? Uh, the, the the movie Raw. Oh yes, yes. The same, the same director is um, Titan, right? Yeah, Titan. Yeah. Yeah, Titan. <laughs> yeah. Um, I watched. I, I had like I think I had a, a two pulled pork sandwiches before I watched Raw, and I was fine. And, and Raw's a great movie. Um, I don't think <laughs> I don't think it gets talked about enough. Mm. Um, and uh, I haven't seen uh, Titan. I, I really want to check that movie out. <laughs> Man, <laughs> that's the most. That is the most Victor movie of 2021. And let me tell you, like, well, all right, you have to, without spoilers. Tell me what that means. Um, it's a movie that's it's profoundly disturbing. It's yeah. uh, it's got body horror elements. Okay. Um, when you're watching it, you're not entirely sure if you're a better person for having watched it. Oh, but <laughs> but you're. But you're glad you you experienced something that's uh, definitely singular and unique in its vision. Yeah. 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 And that I, is a that's a great way to put it. It was a it's a ter- it's a term that I started, <laughs> yeah. but never gave any de- like clear definition. Yeah, it's 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 a movie that it's <laughs> a movie that, it. yeah it, it's a movie that you know for sure you. You most likely will not be able to recommend to your friends, except maybe one, and that might be and that, and that might be a stretch. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I, you know, well, what, what? I'll, I'll put it this way: like, I, one of my friends, uh, Andrew, he, he basically he watches everything. Um, we, we sat down and watched Antichrist together. So, I mean, I probably, I could probably recommend that to him. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Like, I, I don't know if I have it in me to watch Antichrist by Lars von Trier because oh. I know how utterly. Oh dark and horrible Lars von Trier can get, but... Oh, God, yeah. Oof. I, oh, I, why don't you watch I Spit on Your Grave? No. I, <laughs> I, still, I, I still haven't seen The House That Jack Built yet. I really want to, though. I've heard about that one, too. Yeah. Um, Where, uh, what's his name? Matt Dillon is the is the serial killer. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay, so this is totally random. I wanted to make sure I, I mentioned this because I think it's a, I think it's a great recommendation um, for a horror movie that most people don't necessarily maybe associate with horror because it's not like slasher it's not you know whatever um pedro almodovar is the skin i live in i still haven't seen that one i've always oh oh watch it watch it (laughs) Uh, 
I'm not, tell- I'm not telling you anything about that movie. All I'm saying is that it's awesome. It, it, and it's, and it's Almodovar going off the rails. It's so good with, um, Antonio Banderas. So good. Yeah. And, and I love skin. It. I live in the skin. I live in. Mm. And I'm I, so I, mad. I'm really so mad. I'm not like writing down everything that you said right now, I, yeah. but I will definitely listen, listen Spanish, back. And I'm, Spanish movie. It's really, really good. Um, it came out maybe, if I had to put a date on it, maybe 2011, like around yeah. there. Yep. It did. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I love his films too. I love, uh, talk to her. Um, mm-hmm. his latest one, pain and glory. That was really good. I haven't seen that yet. Yeah. That was good. But yeah, Skin I've seen, Skin. I've, Skin. I've seen a bunch of like, like random assortment of, of his movies. Like I've seen Volver. Mm-hmm. I've seen, uh, women on the verge of a nervous breakdown, which I think also got a criterion release. Yep. Um, and then uh, I got recently I got um, "Tie Me Up, Tie Me Down," but I haven't I haven't watched it yet. That was good. It was twisted, and it was oh, like yeah. it was like I don't know if I should like uh, this character played by T- yeah. Antonio Banderas, but it was it was definitely yeah. Talk about a twi- twisted relationship, right? Twisted romance or whatever. Right? Yeah. Oh man. Um, one of my favorite movie again. It, it's weird to do like favorite favorite movies but i can just i'm just throwing out random things i'm thinking about that i've seen over the past couple years i loved uncut gems yeah that was excellent that's definitely one of adam sandler's best films is that still on netflix um i think so it might be actually let me check yeah because i I know that was on netflix for a while because i didn't do um i'm a i'm a i'm a huge fan of uh the Criterion Barnes and Noble Criterion sale, the buying. Oh, here we go. Yep. <laughs> um, and I wasn't able to do the November one of last year, like and and go hardcore. You know, I was only able to get maybe like two movies, um, and I had and I really had to choose wisely. You know, to uh, to quote um, that 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 the uh, the knight from uh, Indiana Jones uh, in the Last Crusade. <laughs> I had to choose wisely, so. <laughs> I got Citizen Kane and Uncut Gems. I thought those were the two best ones I could get because I didn't because I never had Kane on Blu-ray, and I'm like, oh, I need to do that. And then and then that whole thing happened. You know about the replacement disc and all that, right? Yeah, yeah. So I had to. Mine's mine's in the mail, so it's there. They're sending that to me now. So um, don't you have both of those? Vic? Uh, <laughs> Did yep. you like just buy those? I I do have both the the 4K editions. Yeah, yeah. Um. um Citizen Kane, so great, and um, but yeah, Uncut Gems was awesome. I watched Uncut. Gems. I showed it to my dad. My dad liked Uncut Gems, and then um, and then um, I wanted to show my dad because I, I I showed him the Batman trailer, and he's like, he's like, who's this Pattinson guy? Because you know my you know my dad has no idea what Twilight is or any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, we we watched Good Time, and he loved. We I mean I I love it. Debbie loves it, and and, and Mike ended up. My dad ended up really liking it, yeah. and I said that guy is going to be Batman. What a great actor, don't you think? And he's like, oh yeah, yeah, you know. So um. Yeah, it's a good movie to start him with because yeah. everybody, you know, with our generation and younger, you know, they just know him as Twilight. So. Right, right. Yeah, no, he's, he's a fan. And, and my dad's not going to watch The Lighthouse, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> good Lord. Most people aren't going to watch The Lighthouse. Uh, but oh, I love The Lighthouse. I love how it's done in 4x3. I love the black and white aesthetic. I love how it's very New England. I just think that The, the Lighthouse is so good. Oh, yeah. Um, it's, it's a David Lynch movie not directed by David Lynch. Um, that's an excellent it, description yeah. but it, 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 it owes so much to like to, to um, uh, David Lynch's uh, aesthetic and theme and, you know what I mean because it's it's like 
surreal horror that at times is really, really funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the Lighthouse is such a crazy movie. I'm really, I'm really uh, pumped for um, the uh, the Northmen. What that new Viking movie? Oh yeah, it comes out in April by uh, Robert Eggers. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that was gonna be that was gonna be good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, it. But what's funny about it though is if you look at the plot, it's essentially just Conan the Barbarian, but hmm. because you know the family gets wiped out and I'll avenge you and all this kind of stuff. I mean, like if you go back and watch the Arnold Conan from the early '80s, it's the same plot, but it's 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 art. It's gonna be art house Conan. Like it's gonna be. Conan and it's gonna be badass, you know. Like um, Conan meets that show Vikings, you know, mm. <laughs> or or, um, or or that uh, that Mads Mikkelsen movie there, um, uh, Valhalla Rising. Yeah, yeah, so good. that was. Oh, yeah. I'm a big as far as directors go that have really popped up over the past couple of years. I'm a big Nicholas Winding Riffin fan. Mm. I saw Drive, and I'm like, I want to see everything else this man directs. Yeah, uh, yeah, I can't believe Drive is 11 years old now. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh my god! Oh. Thanks for aging us. Yeah, it came out twenty eleven. I know. I saw drive. I saw. I saw drive in the theater. One of the yep. best theater experiences. Yeah. Um, yeah. But his other films are so good. I really like Only God Forgives and The Neon Demon and mm. um, the. Uh, I saw. I think Pusher Two or something like that. I've seen. Oh, Bronson. I mean, Nicholas Winding Refn makes some cool films. Yeah, Bronson was great. That was with uh, Tom Hardy. Bronson's yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. Yes, so 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 much so much good stuff out there, indeed. No, and again, it's interesting. We're just talking about things that, like, things that defy genre. Like, what is Bronson? I mean, like, it's funny, but it's not. A, it's I wouldn't call it a dark comedy. It's it's not a drama, and it's not a prison movie. I mean, like, it's so. I, I love when directors when you really can't categorize them. You know what I mean? Like when they make movies that are, you know, like um, one thing I'm a big fan about about uh, with um, someone like Stanley Kubrick is like. He's done all kinds of films. He's done Sword and Sandal Epic. He's done dramas. He's done horror movies. He's done comedies. You know, like it's yeah. it's it's quite a quite an amazing thing to have that in your to, to have um such a varied filmography. You know, mm. oh for sure. Um, yeah. I, I always I always say that um I think that Paul Thomas Anderson is going to be like our generation Stanley Kubrick. Like mm-hmm. he's gonna he's going to um, make a very limited amount of, uh, of, of movies, a very, a very finite amount. Like it's only going to be maybe like Stanley Kubrick, I think maybe only did like 12 films or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think 10 or 12, I believe. Yeah. Like that, but, but quality, I mean like he put hard soul into every one of them, you know? Oh, yeah. And I think, I think Paul Thomas Anderson is going to be the same way. Like, I think we're going to get like one Paul Thomas Anderson movie every five years or something. That's going to be really, really, you know, and, and, and it's going to be a very limited filmography, but it's going to be all quality stuff. Like I still go back and watch there will be blood. I still go back and watch Boogie nights. I still, I want to watch Magnolia again, you know, mm-hmm. like he's done such great movies. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I loved Phantom Thread as well with Daniel Day yes. Lewis. Yeah, I really, I really did too. Oh my God, you want to talk about twisted relationship? My goodness. Yeah. Oh, the, the end of that movie. The end of that movie. Oh man, you oh. talk about a, a literal toxic relationship. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, yeah, yeah. I, I haven't seen um, I haven't seen Licorice Pizza yet. I, I, I'm hearing good things from just rev- uh, on online reviews and things like that. My, my buddy Andrew Sarr. Did you guys see Licorice Pizza? Oh, I haven't. No, seen it I was actually good. I was actually gonna ask Vicky if he saw it yet because oh I haven't seen it yet but I'll probably wait until the uh, Blu-ray comes out and I'll I'll check it out when it's available to rent actually yeah yeah yeah, 
but uh, yeah, it looks that looks really. Yeah. It looks like it could be it could be a good film, mm. and um, and I think it's hilarious that Bradley Cooper is actually playing John Peters. That's this just that whole other level of film geekery is just you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's just so fun. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, there's so much there's so much good stuff out there. It's it's easy to get. I know with me, it's easy to get like overwhelmed and distracted with a lot of you know just like oh I want to read this or I want to watch that and then you just get yes. pulled, pulled in another pulled in another direction you know what I mean like I, I don't know about you guys but I find myself like um especially if something's on Netflix like just kind of like like just re-watching stuff you know what I mean like yeah like, me too and, and and it's a trap because you know we have a finite amount of time on this earth and uh and we want and and to, to watch newer movies and read newer books and things like that. But you know, if Scarface is on Netflix, I'm gonna watch it. You know, if Goodfellas, <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I just put on Goodfellas on. Oh, oh, you know what I did? So I'm um, uh, big into HBO Max, um, and uh, so I'm I'm scrolling through HBO Max, and I'm just like, oh, I'm just gonna watch the opening scene or a couple of scenes from. Um, Menace to Society, the, the from the Hughes brothers, mm. um, and I ended up like just over. I, I was watching it in pieces, like I watched like half of it, and then I watched like the next day or whatever. And I didn't realize just like how amazing that movie is. Like, I, I might even like it. In, it I, I know it's a very similar uh, in theme and everything, but and 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 um, and the uh, subject matter and everything. But I think I might like it more than Boys in the Hood. I don't know. Menace to Society mm. to me just seems like I know. I know that's a, that's a hot take, but. But um, I find myself going back to Menace to Society more. I think it's a tighter movie, and I think that it's just—I um, don't know. I just—I I find it more, um, more real in terms of um, uh, the world that's uh, portrayed. You know, it's very, and it, it doesn't. That movie doesn't pull any punches. Um, yeah, it's funny that uh, I mean to uh, cut you off, but it's just funny that you mentioned uh, Menace to Society. I saw a Facebook post of. Uh, the actor who played Kane, he still has the same card, still the same way it is. Oh, really? Yeah. Not not Lawrence Tate. He's he he plays O Dog. It's the other guy, oh, right? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Still has the same card, same exactly how it is. I'm like, he has to play computer love every time he tries it. <laughs> Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I, I know Menace Society. That was that was also on the Criterion Collection. As yeah, well. it just yeah, really. it just got released by by Criterion. I'm really really excited about that. Yeah. Um, the Criterion's been really they they their, their releases have just been just out of out of this world. I, I mentioned to you, Victor, the other day on the phone that um I got Tarkovsky's uh, The Mirror. I've been really wanting to check that out. That was really um, good. I got this movie that's uh this war film called come and see i have to check that out man that's that's a film that it's it's unforgettable um and you'll know the scene when you come across it it's a film that uh i can't picture myself watching again for a long time like i'm gonna have to work my way to like you you see these lists online that are just like movies that are too painful to watch twice you know and there's always stuff on there there's always like martyrs and there's always like i've I've, I've never seen that but you know um and and um but come and see sometimes is is is, you know on that uh requiem for a dream i I could probably watch that again. i mean it's it's upsetting but i could probably i could probably watch requiem for a dream again yeah. Um, the, the only thing about like people won't watch something like Requiem for a Dream again because it was you know maybe so upsetting or traumatizing or whatever. The reason I don't want to watch Requiem for a Dream again and I'm scared too is because I don't want to destroy the magic of the first time I watched it. Like it was so it was such a gut punch that I don't want to watch it now and be like 
well, that didn't age well. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> and have it, I have, because, because, like, it's such a powerful movie that I don't want the magic to be gone. Like, I'm, I'm afraid to watch Requiem for a Dream again for that reason. Yeah, especially if you're, if you have a fear of needles. Yeah, you're not oh. gonna have a good time with that film at all. Well, yeah. then there, there goes. There it goes. I will not be watching that one. Really? Oh my. Yeah. Or don't don't watch audition either, Carl. Ooh. Oh boy. Oh boy. Audition? Hmm. No, I wouldn't recommend that. I turn away. American Gangsters has always been one of my favorites and I can't watch the I can't watch the heroin scenes. Wait, oh, American Gangster? Oh yeah, yeah Tenzo and Russell Pro. Yeah, I've been wanting I've been wanting to rewatch that. I've been wanting to check I've been wanting to watch that with, with Debbie and my dad. My dad likes, you know, just all kinds of, you know, epic movies, true stories, stuff like that. Um, right. I I've seen it before, but I had I, I haven't watched it in a while, but I remember it being, I remember it being good. Yeah, Shui Tell you for I think is in it and it's yeah. and it's uh it's a lot of it is legit based on this this real guy, right? Yep, Frank Lucas. Yeah, Frank Lucas. Yeah. It's yeah. with um when when the uh CIA was bringing back heroin in like body bags and all this kind of stuff in the Vietnam era, right? Yep. Right. Yeah. And it was yeah, it was like straight up. They cut the middleman out and they got brought it straight from Vietnam. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like um the other the other Hughes brothers uh, uh movie, the uh, Dead Presidents. Yeah. Very good movie. That's a good one. Is that on is that on Criterion as well? It was on um. Criterion, I think Laserdisc, yeah. but I don't know if they ever got the rights again. To... The, the, the weird thing about Criterion is like, um, if if you if you go back and look at the Laserdisc, there was some weird stuff. Not weird, but I mean like it, it's some really interesting stuff that they put on Laserdisc um, before uh, DVD became a thing in like right. uh, 1998, 2000. Um, they had things on there like Ghostbusters, and I think. Uh, honestly, yeah, and, and and like aliens, I think the sequel aliens, yeah, like it, it's a lot of stuff was on laser. Um, the um, this is really geeky, but uh, the um, the taxi driver Blu-ray, the deluxe one that comes with all like the cards and stuff. Yeah. Um, the commentary on on that Blu-ray is the commentary from the laser disc version of Taxi Driver from Criterion. Mm, yep. Yeah, so that's that really cool. So yeah. of course yeah. I want to sit there and listen to Paul Schrader for two hours talk about his writing process. Why not? Oh yeah, for sure. He gave a great piece. I listened to that commentary. I, I still I still remember pieces of writing advice from Paul Schrader. Um, the interesting characters lie, and the most interesting characters lie to themselves. Mm. So I'm like that's that's pretty profound, you know. Oh. Um, I want to check out. I want to check out card the card counter. I haven't seen that. That was great. Yeah, Oscar Isaac, Tiffany Haddish. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, you did. Remember, I remember you reviewing that. Yeah, that was a very good yeah. film. Yeah, yeah. Um, I uh, a few years ago, um, uh, I watched um, First Reformed, mm -hmm. yep. and um, ironically, Debbie actually ended up liking it more than me. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I thought that was a good film as well. With um, Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke, yeah. Yeah. And uh, Amanda Seyfried. Yeah. 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 Paul Schrader's done some good movies. Um, I, I really like um, really like Blue Collar um, yeah. with um, Richard Pryor and Harvey Keitel. Yep. Um, and uh, I, I thought that uh, some of the some of the more um, 
uh, kind of passed over uh, movies Paul Schrader's done, like uh, Light Sleeper and uh, um, was it American Gigolo, The Long Richard Gear? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Damn. There's this. There's this. Uh, and it, it's and it's, it doesn't take a lot to watch a Schrader film or a movie that's you know from his script or whatever and see that the guy has some serious demons you know and that's what's fueling the material you know yeah and it's and it's interesting like with Paul Schrader too now that you mentioned it because I think he grew up as a Calvinist I believe um, yeah he was like very yeah. religious and yeah. it's so interesting like hearing his upbringing and just like how he got into writing movies and directing. I was like, yeah. huh. It's like you wouldn't think somebody with his background would even think about getting into the world of filmmaking, much less Hollywood, you know? Yeah, it's so weird, too. Like, if you think about, um, like, people that are really famous now to, to one, de- one degree or another, and how back in the day they were really just like a bunch of struggling friends. You know what I mean? Like, you think about, right. like, in, in New York, you think about, like, Brian De Palma and Martin Scorsese. <laughs> And, you know, Spielberg in California or whatever. Like, these guys were all friends, you know? It's just really, it's it's really weird. Like, someone wrote a script and they're like, I, I, I don't know about this, give it to Brian. You know what I mean? Being, mm-hmm. being Brian De Palma, you know? Or like, oh, Pacino read this and, you know, it's not for him. Give it to some. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just, it, you, these names are being thrown around. These people are super famous now. But, like, when you go back and watch, like, Mean Streets, Scorsese was really just getting talent from his neighborhood. And can you imagine the talent from your neighborhood being like Robert De Niro and Harvey Keitel? You know, it's like, yeah. that's crazy. Like, they, yeah, they, just, they were just people, they were just guys that we knew in the neighborhood that wanted to act. Like, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like Al Pacino. Yeah, I guess he can do the Michael Corleone role. Why not? Let's see. Let's just see yeah. where it goes. Let's save some money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. did some race. I, I got to mention this. This is really cool. I really, um, I become a big fan of because we mentioned Criterion, but I, I become a big fan of other just kind of like um, uh, boutique labels. Like over the past couple of years, like I really like like Arrow Video and stuff like that. It's how I was able to see um, um, getting back to horror here. Um, Reanimator, Splatter, Gore, and all this. You know, Reanimator is really great. Yeah. But um, another another movie that I think was released, I think it was Arrow. Is um, the Al Pacino movie Cruising? You guys seen that? I've never seen it, but ah. I've wanted to for years. I've heard really? about it. That's probably Al, Pacino, Al Pacino's a cop in the uh, in the eighties, and he has to catch a serial killer that's preying on uh, gay men in like the kind of underground fetish scene of New York. Um, and so he has to go undercover basically as a gay guy going to these like fetish clubs, trying, you know, these leather clubs, trying to find this guy. Um, really good movie. Um, it's, it's a Pacino role that a lot of people don't really bring up and it's really good movie. Um, I gotta check that out. And once again, someone like Al Pacino, De Niro, you know, even Humphrey Bogart. I mean, just certain people. I'll just watch anything that like, that they do. You know. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. For sure. There's certain there's certain um, actors and stuff where it's just like, well, that that immediately has my my ticket money or my Blu-ray money or whatever. You know. Because mm-hmm. um, even what's what's really interesting. Somebody said this one time. I was talking with. Um, it's really weird. They were talking about Tom Cruise, um, and uh, they said, "You might have seen." a bad Tom Cruise movie, like the movie, but have you ever seen a bad Tom Cruise performance? I'm like, no, 
Isn't that weird? Like, it just someone that always, like, is always dialed in and, and to, to whatever character they're playing and will always give you an entertaining movie, but maybe the movie's not, like, like I don't know if, I, I, going back on it, I don't think Days of Thunder, the, the movie about NASCAR, or whatever, like, I don't think it's a really memorable film, but I mean, like, he's going to give 100% as an actor, you know? Yeah, so, I really enjoyed yeah, I really enjoyed his performance in The Last Samurai, which was just like, all right, yeah, Tom Cruise is The Last Samurai, but I was like, good one, really giant. I like I like The Last Samurai a lot. I think I think that's a good movie. Um, it's uh, I really like Ken Watanabe in that movie. I really like I really like samurai movies. So I mean, like I'm I'm yeah. I was willing to I was willing to 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 um, to give it a shot just for that, you know. Um, I like the, the the samurai movies and samurai culture and things like that. Like I like um I like the Kurosawa movies. Oh, I really so I mentioned Takeshi Miike earlier, like you know, audition and like like his horror movies and stuff. His samurai movies are great. What? Like I, yeah. Um, uh, um, Thirteen Assassins. Oh, I still, um, I still need to see that. Um, what was the other one? Um, Harakiri, Death of a Samurai, and his um manga uh um um influenced uh blade of the immortal okay yeah i've seen that oh i haven't seen it but i've seen i think best buy had the steel book for the longest time and i just never got yeah, around to it yeah yeah I, I i don't remember if i got it there i think it was i think it was best buy yeah but um yeah his Miyake's samurai movies are awesome hmm. um just no holds barred uh samurai movie where like you're, you're just gonna see how rough it was to live that life. Mm. Oh, for sure. His movies are great. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, Carl, did you add, uh, you add anything you wanted to uh, add? Or... <laughs> no, I actually didn't. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. There's like yeah, so, so much good stuff out there like to watch and to, to read as I know. well. Um, mm. Yeah, we could, we could definitely yes. go. We could definitely uh, keep keep this conversation going for hours if 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 you wanted to, but uh, but we are approaching the two hour mark. Uh, oh my god! Yeah, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, man. Uh, once again, Curtis. Uh, yeah, thank you so much for you know joining us, and you know it's great to have you back on the show. And oh yeah, yeah great to be here. Thanks so much. Yeah, and and uh, is there anything anything that you want to you know plug or any last uh, parting words or anything that you want to uh, shout uh, shout out as we wrap up? Um, I would just say, check out, um, check out the really cool, um, artists and collaborators that I'm working with. Check out, um, uh, Jude Killery and check out Matt Crafton at, um, Space Viking Productions. Um, cause I think that I'm, I'm a, uh, firm believer in a rising tide lifts all boats. I think we're all in this, you know, especially with, you know, um, you know writing, it could be podcasting, it could be whatever. I really think that it's, it's this community where we're going to, we're only going to survive and thrive if we support one another and help lift one another up instead of, you know, cause I know that there's a lot of people out there, you know, that are just, you know, trying to trying to tear other people down and like, you know, like, oh, that movie was terrible and blah blah blah. There's a lot of negativity out there. So I really think that I really think that let's let's try to lift one another up and let's try to check out each other's work and let's try to um inspire one another, as corny as that sounds. Yeah, it's so true though. It is so true. Oh yeah. Absolutely valid. Well, thank you guys so much for um giving me the platform to um 
talk about, you know, what I've been doing, what I'm interested in and, you know, my projects, both present and future. Um, really appreciate the opportunity to, to speak with you and to share what I'm doing with your audience. Do we, do we have any, um, comments or questions or anything like in the chat? Was there anything that, uh, anything that other people want to, want to know? Um, the dark about it? No questions, everybody, you know, people was just chiming in, you know, just their thoughts about, you know, um, stuff that we was talking to. So no, yeah, no, really no questions at all, but, okay. you know, but yeah, oh, the door is definitely, the door has, just like last time, the door is definitely always open for you and you got to get up some time to just discuss more movies and stuff. Oh yeah. 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 Um, really, um, yeah, I'd love to come on again just to just to kind of talk, you know, movies and stuff like that and comics. It's always it's always a lot of fun. I'm just distracted by that by that um the the Dune background just because I'm just so dis- <laughs> I'm just so disappointed in myself that I haven't uh, I, I'm telling myself like I'm gonna read the book and then I'm gonna see the movie. You know, I'm trying to I'm trying to hold myself to that. So I mean, hope hopefully I'll be able to be that disciplined. You know? <laughs> we challenge you, you know, we challenge you and then when you come back. We want to hear about it from your perspective. Yeah, because I no, because I got I got this nice special like Barnes and Noble exclusive edition hardcover. It's really really nice. It's got the worms on the back and everything. It's really cool. So I'm really, I I think I should. I think I should. I think I should. You know, hold myself to that. Read the book and then see and then see the movie, Um, like I did with uh, like I did with like Watchmen or you know Fear and Loathing. I've done that a few times. It's Mm. it's 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 a fun uh, it's a fun challenge or activity to, to do to see if um uh not necessarily what you like more but what uh yeah, the mediums yeah how it's how it's expressed in a different medium oh yeah 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 and 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 with uh with uh dune this is like dune part one so it's only it's only half the book uh yeah so far but it's it's extraordinary and visually oof, it is exceptional so yeah uh it's um danny villeneuve right yep Yep. Yeah, I really liked his. Um, it, it's it's really hard to believe that his uh, he, he did the uh, he did Blade Runner uh, sequel, right? Yep, twenty forty nine. Yep. Really hard to believe that that was a failure at the box office. Like that 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 did not do well. Yeah, yeah, I was. Uh, yeah, that was that was pretty disappointing as well. Like I'm pretty sure like Blade Runner is gonna you know eventually become the the same cult classic, uh, modern yeah. cult classic like the original Blade Runner was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it should be so much more than that too. I but I, that that um, had me scratching my head because I saw it in the theater, mm. and it was an incredible, moving, immersive experience. And it just the fact that people didn't connect to it in the way that in the way that uh, we could hope for, you know. Mm. Yeah. That, was, that was too bad. Maybe uh, maybe it would be a thing where people rediscover it years later and they'll you know watch it you know side by side with the original and ho- hopefully it'll have a second life on yeah. on disc in the future so let's let's hope for that i mean or maybe criterion will pick it up that'd be cool you yeah. know like it's you know I, I could see criterion getting some of denny villeneuve's movies oh yeah for sure like, like I, I could see criterion getting like en- uh, enemy you know mm. enemy or even arrival or yes on in- incendies or on sundays yeah yeah, I haven't seen that one. Yeah, that was um, really good too. That was that was his first film, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. yeah. But yeah. Yeah. So so much uh, so much good stuff um, that we can get into. Um, I know. Um, I know. 
and and also I'll I'll tell the uh, the viewers uh, to definitely check out your Instagram uh, at oh, yeah. Curtis underscore makes underscore comics, and also uh, that's I'll I'll bring you a link to your web web page where you can see like sure. your your comic your short short form horror comics, uh, which yeah. are which are quite 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 the visual treat. Uh, for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, the last one, the complications being a not quite suitable for work. Uh, that 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 that'll that'll uh, <laughs> that that one's that one's in uh, Tim Vigil land, you know, with with uh, uh, in terms of uh, <laughs> in terms of content. Well, oh yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but but yeah, and and also to um, uh, as we wrap up, uh, once again, a, a quick shout out to our uh, to our sponsor podcast sponsor silk city hot sauce uh once again um go to silkcityhotsauce.com use the promo code codex to get 15 percent off your order uh tons of great unique hot sauces uh, out there uh, vermont based uh business support local businesses um also you can catch all of our episodes on codex prime podcast we're here you know tuesday every tuesday uh night at 8 p.m eastern um all of our episodes are available in audio form on soundcloud spotify uh itunes where you can hit us up with a five-star review uh iHeartRadio. spotify yep yeah i mentioned that spotify, spotify soundcloud and we everywhere stitcher yeah. <laughs> stitcher iHeartRadio. just google codex prime podcast you'll find us like wherever um and also we can catch my... our social media so yep our, our facebook yep facebook twitter instagram select uh bonus content on youtube as well so yep Yep, and and also you can catch our uh, our our individual uh, Instagram pages as well. I'm on Instagram at Victor Omoyo, so I post like you know favorite films, films from my collection, and the occasional book and video game recommendation. And yeah, uh, at Mr. Bird Ten Twenty Seven, just everything I've been doing, uh, everything I've been doing, and a lot of uh, comic recommendations as well. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So yeah, once again, Curtis. Uh, yeah, thanks for joining us, and yeah, we'll definitely have you back on the show for sure. Hopefully, uh, in in studio, aka my apartment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, no, and I'll and I'm gonna work on having some more content that I can talk about with you guys and some different projects. Uh, and I really want to check out that Crimson Cage comic, that wrestling horror comic. I'm gonna I'm gonna look into that. Great, great. You'll enjoy you'll enjoy it definitely. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. All right. Thank you for having me on the show, guys. Yeah. And anytime. Anytime. Yep. And as always, uh, we will catch you on the flip. Peace out, nerds. Later.